we have been getting together a report on Polaroid Corporation and its products. During the exciting year just passed, 15 or 16 years in the marketplace have done nothing to dull the spontaneous kick people get out of seeing a finished picture on the spot. Begin to use a Polaroid lens camera and a crowd gathers. 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 Spontaneous kick people get out of seeing a finished picture on the spot. Spontaneous kick people get out of seeing a finished picture on the spot. Welcome to the July 1st Film Photography Podcast. My name is Michael Rosso, and I'm here with Dwayne Polkew. Hello, everyone. And John Fideli. <laughs> Before we get started, I wanted to show everyone the Polaroid one-step close-up camera that we're giving away on July 15th. Look at how great that is, the way it opens up. Well, it has a flash. What a beautiful design. And what I'm going to do is actually insert a roll of Impossible PX600 Silver Shade. Now, if you've listened to this podcast, ever Googled Polaroid, you know that. The Google. I mean, we don't even need to say it, right, Dwayne? I think it doesn't need to be said, but you're going to anyway. No, well, the guys at Impossible... No, we don't need to say it. Go ahead. The guys at Impossible decided that they were going to make film for Polaroid cameras because Polaroid stopped making film in 2009. So they bought or rented a Polaroid factory in the Netherlands, and they came up with their own formula. And this is the one of the first films they rolled out, PX600 for 600 cameras. And this is the second, what would you say, the second batch? Yes, thank you, John. This is the second batch. Second production run, you mean? Yes, the first batch was called First Flush. I guess this is second. Would you ever considering consider holding on to some of that stuff for posterity? You mean not not shoot it? Right. No. I I don't know what the shelf life is on this film. What what do you think the shelf life is on this film? Probably hmm. like five or ten years, probably. Yeah. So it comes in a beautiful package, which I keep to actually store the fin- you know the shot stills in. Why does it say Ilford on the bottom? Can you use Ilford backing? Ilford is uh, one of their sponsors. Oh. Or they're in, um, it says Ilford Black and White Technology Inside. So I think Ilford is, you don't think there's Ilford uh, technology in there? Oh, probably is, but I'm sure there is. It's a very, very complicated process as we learned going to the Impossible Project press conference. But, you know, I mean, I don't, who knows to what degree or what extent. They'd be Ilford in man. Now, each roll of Impossible Film has a expression on it. Like oh, the black, the the black card has a saying on it: "Catch a fly and give it a hug." That's right. That's stupid. Uh. <laughs> John. So we're going to insert the. Uh, by the way, we're giving away this camera with this roll of film. Putting this in here. And there is the black card, the collectible black card. The uh, flash is now charging, and I'm going to take a portrait of John Fideli. First time ever me using the second run of Polaroid PX600 film. 
pretty exciting. Can you that feel the tension? Be enough for that film? The Flash? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to put it on close up. Oh. There's a close up filter on this camera, which wait is. A Do it again. I want to get close. Here it is. Hold on. Wait a second. Okay. I'm going to use the close up filter nice. oh. on this camera. Sometimes it, you need, there it goes. And I'm going to get in close. I'd say you're about two and a half feet. Get a little bit closer. One, two, three. Now, I, I quickly took the photo and hid it because the PX600 is very sensitive. It is blue. It starts out blue, as you can see, which is pretty cool. I'm now going to go in and shoot Dwayne's portrait. Blue. Now John, John is going to shoot me. Oh Multitasker. First put the close-up filter on. There you go. Well, I'm trying to figure it out. Oh. <laughs> he put his thumb in the way. <laughs> <laughs> to win the camera, film photography podcast, we must have your entries by no later than the first week of July, this week. And uh, to win the, to win this Polaroid one-step close-up camera with impossible PX600 film. Send an email to filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. A, a few words about yourself, who you are. Well, John's laughing, why? Send an email to filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your... E your uh, likes and dislikes. <laughs> your likes, dislikes. Like summer days your, and walking the beach. Your... Uh, where you live, and a little bit about yourself, and we and will about be... your film habits. Exactly, your film habits and, and your we... hygiene habits. And we <laughs> we will be picking a winner on the July fifteenth film photography podcast. Please get your entries in by July tenth, twenty ten. It's a beautiful thing, Mike. Dwayne Polkew, I would like to say the PX600 is a much improved in stability, wouldn't you say? As compared to what? The last batch, the first flush. Do you remember when we first shot the PX film? It was very blotchy. Yes. It had the white specks on it. Oh, this one comes up a lot quicker, a lot more smooth. Smooth. Uh, smoother in terms of tonality. Yeah, I see what you're saying, definitely. I can't wait to see what the color film looks like. Can't I think wait. they should still make the first one available. That's the point I think I'm trying to get across. So they shouldn't. Don't throw out that piece of paper with the formula on it, guys. <laughs> I wish I had some first flush. I don't have any more first flush. I'm, it's done. It's gone. It's flushed. <laughs> you flushed it all. Welcome to the Film Photography Podcast for July 1st. Hello, our, everyone. Hey. Our first ever second show in the month. Mm. Giving away a Polaroid 600 one-step close-up camera. That's pretty yes. exciting. Are you giving away that uh, 600 uh, clock radio? No. Last okay. time, clock radio. <laughs> Last show, if you remember, we uh, I was showing the Polaroid 600 radio. Are you actually going to listen to that? What are you going to do with that? Well, I have to tell you, before I bought this on eBay, I thought that, I was like, hey, you know, I don't have a transistor radio. Should there be a fire, flood, power outage, or disaster? Never thought about I that. I don't have a communication, like, I don't have a receiver that doesn't need electricity. Huh. Do you have a radio? Nope. 
everyone should have a battery-operated receiver. I have a cell phone. Well, I do. I have a radio in my car. Do you really think your cell phone's going to work? My car. When you need notification of where the refuge is from the zombie attack, you're going to need an AM radio. You're right. I didn't think about that. Thinking like a survivalist. Exactly. Let's uh, dive right in. This show, we're going to look at some of the images that were made by you, our podcast listener, which is awesome. And I've always, always said that our our listeners really make some, they're, they're, you guys are really amazing image makers. Right. There are some seriously talented people out there. Would you like to start with uh, my gallery or your gallery? Start with yours. Okay. Can you turn the monitor so Dwayne can take a peek? Hold on. Oh, God. How many many photos did you put? You put a lot in. I put 18. Yeah, okay. I only put uh, 13. First of all, go to Flickr.com and seek out out my uh, name, Michael Rosso Film Photography. It's R-A-S-O. And in the tab, you'll see Galleries. And you will see a gallery that I made. I think it's called 615... Is is the gallery called... It's called 615 2010 Edition. Yes. Edition. Go to the 615 Edition. And you'll see some pics I've pulled from the pool. Uh, pics you pulled from the pool. Some of, some of my favorites. Oh, pics you pulled from the pool. Now, I have to tell you, there were a lot I didn't put in because I only have 18. Yeah. And It's uh, hard. Yeah, it's, re- it's really hard. Well, the first one we have here, Mike, is from uh, our friend Lars, right? <laughs> Lance, I mean. Lars. I see L-A-R at the top. Man, the first I need one, glasses so bad. It's the ridiculous. first one is from Lance from Lance Belgium. Lance Rothstein. Do you remember Lance? He was on one of we Yes, we talked about him on one of the very first podcasts. Yes, Lance. He uh, takes, takes Polaroids and just leaves them in random spots. It's called uh, the Picture Crossing Project. Where he uh, shoots a Polaroid and... Numbers it and... Leaves it in a public place. Well, it's a beautiful picture of a window. It looks to be maybe on a log cabin or something. And it's juxtaposed the cool tones of the wood against the warm tones of the light inside of the house through the window. Mm-hmm. And it looks like cobwebs or something. It's beautiful. Well, if people are on the website, they see the shot. Now, oh, right? that's right. What am I talking about? Huh. It's you the first think, shot. You don't think it, you don't think it um, sort of scary looking? It is. Because at first I didn't notice there was a man in there. Because his face is a little overexposed. Oh, I didn't see there was a person in there. Well, see? some folks... If, oh, if, yeah, that's right. Well, I didn't it, see it. actually... John should describe it because many folks commute and don't have a laptop. Right. So we're going to try to give you a visual. If you cannot get to the website, mm. Flickr.com, Flickr.com, we're going to try to best describe the picture. So. Okay. So it really looks like, to me, it captures the uh, what it might be like to have cabin fever. I He's stranded in a cabin in the middle of winter with nothing to do but look out the window that's full of cobwebs. The, the, the image just like popped off the page. It's very, I, very I evocative. it was amazing. And for a Polaroid, it's super amazing. I would call it uncanny. Super amazing. Mm-hmm. What's next, John? Next, we have a photo by John Milker. It's so moody. and It's a winter landscape. It's nice. It seems. It's a winter landscape of a tree and some uh, park benches. Uh, and it's a very foggy day, or this was a technique that he used. Is there anything? Is there any text next to the picture? You it says, read? untouched minus very basic editing. This is how the shot looks and how it was scanned with all the flood... Level rains melting and snow. We've been blanketed in a very thick fog, so it was not a technique or a mistake in the camera. It was <clears throat> actually the way it looked in reality. So it's a very, uh, very, uh, I guess, muted. It's a black and white photo, and it, it's a pretty startling image. Very nice. Frame worthy. Yeah, no doubt. Our next image is by H R Y H R Y K dot H R D. It's called Red on a Rainy Day. I love that. You know why I love this picture? Because some people, when they take color photographs, try to include every single color of the rainbow at yeah. once. And this guy, he just 
selectively found something that was sort of bluish, a little bit of green, and another complementary color of the reddish rose, and it just works so well. I'm sorry, I'm going to try and say this gentleman's name. Hiroyuki Kyoto from Japan, called Rainy Blue Number 2 image he took. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I wonder what that stuff is on the floor. It looks like pop rocks. (laughs) Are those petals in the flower? Yeah. Leaves. Leaves? Yeah, but I mean, it's like a city scene, and there's no evidence that there would be any kind of flora around. So it's these uh, purple and pink type seeds or leaves laying on a on a wet street. It's beautiful. Yeah, nice image. Way to go, Hiroyuki. Next image is by Nico Fattori. Nicolo. Nicolo Fattori. I like the shot because a lot of people take, you, you go to any photo magazine, you see the... Uh, the lines converging in the distance with some sort of a dock mm-hmm. near a body of water. But what's cool about this one is you cannot see the other end. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yes. The dock does not end abruptly. It just it goes sort of like goes into the sun. It's like into a, the sun or something. It's like a goes Stephen in, King novel. Goes into yeah. the light. It's cool. Yeah, it should be a Stephen King uh, jacket cover for sure. Great shot by Niccolo. Niccolo Fattori. Bravo. Next is by, uh, I don't know. Yes. Buhausol. Called Guiding Hands. Deviandra, it's a Polaroid shot. And it's a very... Um, I love it. Very innocent looking image. What's the text say, John? Mike Rasso says, Time Zero film expired. No, SX70 camera. I don't say that. Additional art at uh, B-U-H-O-A-Z-U-L dot... D E V I A N T R R T dot com. It says Time Zero film expired. SX70 camera. An additional art is available at this man's uh, website. I'm going to spell it because I don't know how to say it. B U H O A Z U L dot. Deviant. B-U-H. Oh, DeviantArt. Thank you. DeviantArt.com. Dot com. <laughs> Thanks. One, two, three. Forget about it. Hands. Two people two holding people hands. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Polaroid. Yes, yes. It's a very innocent image. The uh, the sweaters going over the hands are kind of what makes it a little endearing to me. Because it, it makes it seem like two young people holding hands. Sometimes very it's innocent. like a, the littlest thing that yeah. throw, like throws it over the top and makes yeah. it like really work. Yeah. I mean, if it was just two hands that were naked, I think, you know, without shirts or anything, any clothing holding hands, it wouldn't be as great an image as it is. Plus, the blue of the sweater kind of matches the blue of the background of the Polaroid. There's like a a mosaic going on back there. Nice. I love this next shot. Striking. By PBR Photo. Now. Six-hour exposure by Philip Roos. A very, very popular technique now, and we go through phases in photography where one particular technique is in vogue versus another, is getting neutral density filters, sometimes stacking neutral density filters and putting them in a filter holder in front of the lens, so you effectively have a multi-minute, multi-hour exposure, photographing something that's moving against something that's still. In this particular case, it's rocks, sort of sea stacks, and the motion is the motion of the ocean which is very, very blurred and looks very velvety. Now, there's a lot of pictures out there of this, but what's cool about this is he's included star trails. And I've never seen this before. You know, I've seen the, uh, 
I seem to see the curve of the Earth. Yes. Is that because the exposure is so long? The exposure is so long that the uh, motion of the Earth rotating at night in relation to stars actually registers on the film or whatever camera you're using those stars as long lines. And and in this particular case, they're curved because of the curvature of the Earth. I would get. What does the text say, John? says, this is Island Arch, as it stands today, for the time being, anyway, see below for last year's shot. I must admit, spending the night there and watching the passage of the moon across the sky actually gives you a sense of the speed of the erosion and how dynamic this place is. This was a six-hour exposure at a little over F16 on HP5 Plus processed at N plus one, taken with the Linhoff Technica L- IV, or LV, IV? Four. Of four. It's four by five. I can't. Linhoff And an old Angulon 90 millimeter lens. Angulon. Yes. Focusing focusing it was really difficult as the old Linhoff lens only has 6.7 as the brightest f-stop, but I kind of like the flared ends on the trails anyway. It's it's a beautiful picture to boot. It's awesome. I mean, just because people use the same technique that's been used before that's currently popular doesn't mean you can put your own spin on it, and he definitely has. It's really cool. And I like the fact (coughs) he's using four by five. Hmm. Beautiful shot. This is... Any of our, any of the folks in this gallery, if you click on their link, you I mean you'll see the rest of the, you know the body of their work. I mean yeah, a lot more work. Yeah, to be seen. yeah, most of these pictures represent just one person that has many photos up there. Yes. And the next looks like it was shot on an impossible uh, first attempt with the new PX100 film. Not sure how I feel about it, but I did have a lot of fun with these test shots. The other three from the roll came out way too overexposed, but I figured that five out of eight isn't too bad. Chaps Norwich in the UK. Nice. Nice. It's crazy. Below it is a picture of like a little, what, manic? Oh, what do you call those? Oh, that's Oogie. Ventriloquist. Oh, is that Oogie from... Uh, I, I call it Oogie, but it's not Oogie. Uncle Floyd. Uncle Floyd in New Jersey, the Uncle Floyd show. Floyd Vivino. Floyd Vivino. He had an act that was on TV on UHF television in the 1970s, starting in 74, <laughs> called The Uncle Floyd Show. It was a kid's show, but really kind of geared up for adults, very tongue-in-cheek. I was I was a like 12-year-old at the time. I, I tuned in every day, and he had a sidekick, a puppet, called Oogie, who was a smart... A smart-ass. And Oogie had the same face as this uh, puppet really? here in this image. Hmm. Is there any text there? I want you to show it a couple of doesn't say times. what it is. It, it just is? says taken, tapings, yeah. taken with the Kiev 60 medium format camera in a week. In week 14 of my 52 film cameras in 52 weeks project. Is there a link? Yes, 52cameras.blogspot.com. And who is the author of this image? Uh, Faux Tony. Oh, Faux Tony, yes. Tony Kemplin. Yes. That image, I mean, I had a, a, a burned impression in the back of my head of this puppet Oogie that I watched as a child. So... Th- that hit me immediately. That's why I love it. But I, I, I just love it. The focus it's, is perfect. It's I just scary. love it. I'm, I'm, being, I'm afraid of it because look at this. He's, <laughs> he's, he's staring at me. <laughs> but the focus is perfect on the eyes. Yeah. That's where it should be on a photo like this. And a very, very small uh, focal range. Nice. Oh, I love this picture. Uh, Good next God. Up. Look at this shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's oh, so beautiful. This is the woman in the... Malin P by Lambia S. Lambis Strato. Stratudakis from Malmo, Sweden. Nice shot. Just beautiful that? photo. Just says a Polaroid artistic TZ image from 
his name. I already butchered it once. I'm not going to do it It looks again. like it would be on the album, a cover of an album or CD. That the monkeys put out if they were cool. <laughs> the image is so simple and so striking. Mm-hmm. And the color palette of the Polaroid film mm-hmm. is in, you can't even describe it. It's very dreamy. It's my favorite one. It's a muted pastel. Oh, that's yes. one of show favorites. Very pastel. Yeah. It's my favorite one. Yeah. I like the belly button though. She got a beautiful abs too. Mm-hmm. The model has a really nice body. You the white like... and white of the clothing. Next up. Next is oh, a oh. shot of Louise Mendez. Louise Mendez, for those of, may I? Yeah, yes, please. Louise Mendez, for those of you who don't know, <clears throat> is. A gentleman who goes to various functions in New York City dressed uh, a certain way, I guess you could say in a period garb, leather jacket, a certain type of hat, carrying, I guess what by today's standards would be an antique camera. I don't know if it's a crown graphic or a speed graphic, but he has a, a flash attached to it, a bulb type flash, and he's become something of a local celebrity yes. in New York City where people come up to him and take his photo. And uh, Mike Rasso and I saw him at the Photo District News trade show at the Jacob Javits Center this past October. And there he was outside, dressed the same way with his camera. I've nodded hello to him over the years. I've been going to the show for 15 years. He's a very personable fellow. I've never engaged in an actual conversation with him because I didn't know what he was about. But apparently Mike knows he actually, does he charge people to have his photo taken? Yes. Will you read the text? Mm -hmm. First of all, who took this shot, John? John's eating uh, Paul Newman pretzels. It's delicious. It was taken by Daniel Greenberg. He has a story here. Please read it. Okay. I was walking in the afternoon right in front of B&H, which is a big photo audiovisual yes. store in New, New York, York City, and glanced to my side and saw this distinguished-looking man in a model pose leaning by a garbage can. Model pose. That's what he was doing at the he show. He was just hanging out? A model pose, yes. Yeah. Now, this is the dialogue. Me. Hey, I have seen you on Flickr. I read an article on you in the New York Times as well. Mendez. So you probably want your picture taken. Me. I was hesitant to say yes. I was expecting to take his picture first, but said yes. How much? Mendez. $20. Me. Will you be here in about an hour? He replied He replied saying yes. When I came back, he said he had the perfect pose for me. He brought me over by the window to the store and asked me to kneel down and take a photo taking a picture of him. The photo took a few minutes to develop, and it turned out awesome. Probably want your picture taken. And there's a link to the article on Luis Mendez that was featured in the New York Times. He said he was a very mellow, peaceful man. He really knows what he's doing. And I was so surprised to bump into him. Lucky you. Picture. Picture. Yes, you say picture. Did I say picture? You say P-I-T-C-H-E-R. What am I supposed to say? Picture? Uh, no, we're from Jersey. You say whatever you want. No, but well, who, if if I wasn't from Jersey, what would I say? Uh, my friend Tom says picture. I would say picture. Picture. Uh, picture. You hungry, T? You want to send the kid for my job fresh? So this this gentleman came, became famous. <laughs> what? what do, how do you say picture? Picture. You you really do? No, you don't stop and take you the don't time say to picture. go. Pic- he doesn't say picture. I don't say, say picture. picture. I say picture. 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 Picture of water. No, I say picture. People always laugh when I say drawer. Like, my socks are in the drawer. That's pretty funny. Why is that funny? How do you say it? Drawer. Drawer. How do you say it, Dwayne? Drawer. Drawer. Kind of just slur it all together. Instead of saying drawer, say draw. Take a picture of a drawer. Uh, what's the gentleman's name? The, the, the Luis Mendes. Daniel Greenberg. No, no. Who took the photo. No, the, the, the picture. They met gentleman in the picture. Luis Mendes. Oh, and and who took this picture? Luis. Daniel Greenberg. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Daniel. And on the picture is Luis Louis. Louis Mendez. 
<laughs> we have to talk to this what guy. What the hell is this? Yes. We got to talk to this guy next time we see him. I have to tell you, when we saw him, not Daniel Greenberg, when we saw Luis Mendez, yeah, uh, I, I was a little standoffish. Like I didn't, I didn't know what to think. He looks like a very kind guy. He's just a he's just a he's guy. Shy. I think that I thought he was a hipster. Like but he, just like, like hanging out. He's just like this is his th- this is his little niche to fame in life, and he digs he digs doing it. So good I for him. I would totally give him twenty dollars U.S. Sure, I would to too. take my picture. Would you? He's famous, John. Yeah, absolutely. I would. You know, he's been doing this for like twenty years. Does he take your picture? Yes. Yes. You and don't what, take his picture. You, no, he'll let you take his picture. All right. So is it a Polaroid he gives you? What does he give you? Yeah. He has a, a, Polaroid a Polaroid back on his uh, Speedex. That's wild. What's it called? Graphic Speedex? Well, there's a bunch of them. There's, there's a uh, Speed Graphic. There's speed, a yeah, Crown yeah. Graphic. Speed there's a Graflex. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't I don't really know that much about him. I would give him $20 and have him take my picture. <laughs> <laughs> Me and, too. And then I'd ask him if I could take his picture. So like going to a chiller show. And then once once you took his picture, you'd ask him for 20 bucks. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, great, great, great story. Uh, the next is called Taylor Made by Kenny LP, Kenneth Ipcris from London, England. I enjoy urban exploration. I like brutalist architecture, a full-on film and camera buff. Pictures uh, it was just taken with a Kiev 88CM RSAT 80mm f2.8 on a Porta 800. A Porta only, 800. I can only describe the picture as striking. It's a bust. It's no a head. Taylor's bust. Yeah, it's a Taylor's bust, I guess, in a store window. I guess there's two lines coming out of the top of the bust that actually kind of pull the whole thing together. Is that like my favorite Martian? Yeah, kind of. It's like the Martian. Awesome. It looks like yeah. antenna without a head. Right. Yeah, cool. nice colors. It's cool. The background kind of uh, plays off the, the color of the coat, which is nice. Next is another. Oh, no. Is this a winter shot? Let's I see. love this picture. I love black I don't and white. It looks, it looks like a winter shot, but. Uh, could be affected with the Nikon uh, four or F4S. Yeah. Cross-processed and color converted, and it's by Anton Andres. It's a really, really striking shot yeah. of a tree. And where's he from? Well, you can. There's a um, link to his blog spot there, but it's nice scanned. Then oh, a very famous icon from American television, the Cookie Monster. Yes. Yes. A very simple but effective shot of the Cookie Monster. By Middle Gray Studios. Yes, great shot. Cody Mulcahy. Cody has a, a few shots similar with different uh, types of monsters. Right. Not just Cookie. Well, it's nice, you know, again, the background matches the color of Cookie Monster, which is nice. It just pops out. That could be on a t-shirt. Where's mm-hmm. Cookie Monster from? Sesame Street. Come on. I never, I've never seen an episode of Sesame Get Street in my life. I've never have. I've never seen Barney. Well, Barney's a little bit beyond you. You've never seen Sesame Street? I've never seen Sesame Street. You know why? Why? You're a little bit older than us. Just a little bit. Yeah. And Sesame Street started in 1969. Yeah. And I was I was like, six. Yeah, I was five. Yeah, I was 10 or 11, so yeah. You were like, you were done. Yeah, you were done, done with that. You were done. You were, you were reading Playboy. You were, you were. I was. My first Playboy magazine was 1968, July. You were hitting old ladies over the head, getting their purse money changed. <laughs> So that was the last time I was violent, about three days ago. If you give them a quick, short, sharp shock, they don't do it again. Dig it. No, the guy, there was a guy who owned a store. This is a true story, as I digress. And he was, uh, he was, he was from, he was in Auschwitz and he had the scary, scary tattoo on his arm, but he was the coolest guy and he would let me look at porn movies, porn magazines when I was like 10. I guess he's just like, you know what? Was he a neighbor? No, he owned... 
he was the proprietor of a, of what we called back then a five and dime right, store. Yes, yes, yes. That sold such. And it was a combination luncheonette, yep. convenience store, and fountain. You could get fountain sodas, and I would go in there, and for fifteen cents, I would get a malted milk, and then on my way out, I would want to spend about five minutes looking at like like uh, back then it would be Playboys before Penthouse, but there were some other ones. Uh, you know, How old were you? I was ten years old. You you were, you were imprinted. And he that's why was known as the guy who survived the concentration camps. Uh. And he had on a short sleeve. And the kids would go in and go, you know what that number means? He lived through. And it was like a big, a big amazing, yes. amazing thing. And he would go, okay, like it could take a couple of minutes, but then you have to go. And that was the coolest right. thing in the world that this guy let wow. me look at like Playboy. a ten year old. Yeah, he'd be able to peruse a magazine like that. He would let That's me like for, cool. for like five or ten minutes. He would let me do it. Next up, we have a shot by Faux Tony again. Tony Kemplin. Yeah. Yes. Which one is this? It's a double exposure, I, I think, or just a reflection. No, it's double. It's exposure. from a publicity photo shoot of double exposures. This film was red scaled and put through an Olympus OM10, then rewound and used in a in a four lens Nimslow camera, stereo camera, stereo camera. I think Which it takes, takes four yeah, frames yeah. per shot, giving plenty of scope for interesting image combinations. Some eye, Tony. Yeah, nice. Oh, God, I love this photo. Next one is a very fetching photo. Like this photo. From uh, Dalibor. Oh, Dalibor. Divorce. Dvorak? Sorry, dude. Sorry about butchering from? your Where's name. From? It's from the Czech uh, Republic. Prague. That nice. picture, it just tells a very simple, beautiful story. Of a woman's voluptuous behind. <laughs> I wouldn't call it voluptuous. Like J-Lo's voluptuous. Oh, that's call... voluptuous. Look at those curves. Come on, right here. Voluptuous. It's, it's, it's beautiful, though. I'm sorry. You probably see more voluptuous butts than I have. Well, I... we live in a culture that's completely replete with them with music videos. I mean, to me, a voluptuous butt is, is big. I think... Like Jennifer Lopez. Big right? back? I think... Baby got back. Yeah, baby got back. I think that... Uh, doorways. Voluptuous is subjective, by the way. Yes, it is. It's a matter of. I agree with you. It's completely up to your own definition of it, depending upon your personal. That looks voluptuous. In the films of Joe Sarno, John. Yes. Joe uses a lot of doorways. Does he really? Yes. Doorways, I think, are terrific to shoot. Doorways. Where you're you're coming from? Where you're going? Yes. Mm -hmm. Just a doorway as a framing device. I love. And I thought that this particular photo. Really came together. That's and really, really nicely tells, done. Yeah, tells t- just tells a very mm-hmm. you know a very simple story. This person knows how to see photographically. Look at that. Right. And the nice thing too is she's touching the back of her brazier. Looks like she's get, about to take it off. Exactly. She's about to do something. Why is she positioned there? Uh, also because the left part of the frame, that that wall or whatever, is out of focus slightly, which which definitely puts selective focus on her. It's just a beautiful picture. You know, the nice thing about it is it's so sexy, but it doesn't show any nudity. And it's just something that, you know. Your mind takes it to the yeah, next level. Your mind, yes, your mind makes it sexually alluring or sensual. See, that's gorgeous. That's essential to having a good photo like this that's telling a story is what happened before this photo, what's going to happen after it. Absolutely. Next up. I just want to try his name one more time because it's such a fantastic photo. It's Dalibor Dvorak from Prague, Czech Republic. Great work. Next is by R. Zemarapa? Zemarripa. Zemarripa. From Texas, USA. It's a picture of a... uh, (laughs) What is that? A gorilla that says lowest prices every day. What's the shot with? Uh, Holga. Yes. 135 BC. Holga. Holga has a very distinct look. There's like a... um, I don't know. What do you call that? 
Uh, Vignette. Yes, vignetting. There used to be a film camera that used to shoot, you know, give dark edges in vignette. And that's what it kind of looks like, that there's a vignette on it. That picture just is kind of, it's kind of fun to look at. Kind of weird. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I like it. Yeah. I mean, that exists in reality. Yes, it does. That's what's so weird about it. That's the great thing about having a camera with you always. Yep. It really is. And plus the black and white image of it just makes it even more strange. Yes. But to just be walking down the street and to see this angle, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. Great shot. The next is um, a masterpiece, Almost Lost in Time, restored by Emir Shab Shabashvili. Sorry, I should have practiced these names before we went. Uh... Really? Yeah. What's it say? It's an image from a 620 Verichrome pan film found in Brownie's Bull... Brownie Bowles Eye Camera, developed in Kodak HC. So I'm assuming that he purchased the camera, used, of course, and that there was a roll of film in there that's 50 years old. Because Veracron Pan Film was discontinued, well, like 90. It's a masterpiece. Bunch of kids with guitars. And look at the kids' faces. Uh, Could you turn that so I could see that? I really didn't look at them. Finding a roll of film. Occasionally I'll buy a very old camera on eBay. What year would you say that was taken? 50s. 50s, yeah. 54. 60s. No, well, now they would have that many guitars in '54 because rock and roll really didn't start till like '53, '54. Uh, right? Could be '59, '60, maybe. Yeah, it gotta be like early '60s, maybe. Is there a clock in the wall? Like, like sometimes that's a that's a giveaway as to what clock? Yeah, right here. square and it's plugged square in. Square and it's plugged in the wall. Yeah. What a racket that must be. Yeah. It's like 15 kids who don't know how to play guitar all plugged in electric. I'd say Beach Boys era probably. Yeah, yeah early '60s, '62 yeah. to '64. Yeah. It's a great picture. Yep. I love the Beach Boys. You know, I, I remember I used to go to uh, the flea do market. You, you do. Love the Beach Boys. Oh, boy. I like them. Like them. Like love them Dennis on. Wilson's solo album. What love about it. Brian Wilson? Yeah. You're a big Brian Wilson fan. Uh, you know what? John and I went to see Brian Wilson maybe once, maybe twice. No, we saw him like three times. Three dude. times. <laughs> Dennis Wilson. I have my photo taken with him. Yes, you do. Yep. Chase That's the most down. beautiful melody ever written. What I just think. Uh, Surfer Girl? Yeah. This, 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 it's one of the first tunes. The, the, the chord changes are incredible. Yeah, I mean, come on. This Back be- in the day, the guy definitely. That's as beautiful today respect. as it was written. You know, this the July, July first podcast celebrating summer. Very quickly, a few bars from uh, a film you you made a uh, soundtrack for, John. Yeah, Splatter Beach. Yeah. Here at Splatter Beach, here at Splatter Beach, five crazy kids on a getaway, looking for sun and fun at the ocean. There's two Cupid, Robbie, Tess, and Tanya. Here at Splatter Beach, here at Splatter Beach. You did the soundtrack for Splatter Beach. You did the soundtrack for Splatter Beach. You did. I didn't know that. Me and Kevin. Yeah. That's my cool. 486. Yeah. That's so fun. My 486. Chicks just love my 486. I, I I would I produced the film and I would say to John and Kevin. 
All right, I'll do a song about my 46. 46, do you, re- do you remember? <laughs> if you don't remember, if you don't remember Sesame Street, you will remember 486 computers. I don't know what that means. It's a very early form of computers that were 46 was like what the memory. Uh, four. Yeah, it was the, it was the chip. Yeah. Having a 486 was like the bomb because before that was a 286. For about a 10 386. Minutes. Who made it? Uh, uh, Microsoft. Oh, PC. Okay. Before um, probably hold like maybe five Word documents. No, <laughs> th- th- this was one of the first machines that had win- the Windows operating system. Okay. But anyhow, it's summer. Celebrating summer. Woo! Beach Boys. What's yeah, next, John? Brian Wilson is a musical genius, okay? Thank you, John. Yeah. Appreciate that. Next is a, oh, uh, like a, another Polaroid. Of a doggy's head. By Adrian uh, Darnell. Love it. Adrian Somewhere Smith. in Alabama. It's a little pit- I guess his name is Chiggs. What's it say? It says Chiggs. Polaroid SX-70. I love the composition. Yeah. Plus the proud look on the dog's It's face. just fun. It's just a fun picture. Yeah. The fact that it's a little muted and a little uh, blown out, or not blown out, but... Uh, I guess it looks underexposed. Doesn't doesn't hurt it. Only helps. That's the it from, that's it from my galleries. That's it from you. So go to flickr.com. Uh, go to search search Michael Rasso R A S O film photography under Flickr members. You'll come to my uh, area of Flickr and click galleries, and you will see the most recent gallery, which is the 615 2010 gallery. So you so if you haven't, you can follow along or, or check it out. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to look at the uh, John's gallery. John curated a gallery as yes. well. But uh, first, a word from our sponsor. <laughs> Thank you, John. Killer Reviews is the place to be for horror, science fiction, and fantasy. I'll be right back. Horror Reviews, interviews, a killer podcast, and a forum for freaks like Killer Reviews. You know, last month, Dwayne. Yes, Michael. One of our listeners, first time ever, came to visit. You were not there, but uh, he here. Yes. Where was I? You elected not to also come up on Saturday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So a listener, Dan Domi, spelled D-O-M-M-E. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's pronounced Domi. Dan Domi. Dan Domi. Dan Domi. Domi. Dan Domi. First time ever podcast listener, Mr. Domi, contacted me and said, hey, I'm going to be in New Jersey uh, visiting some relatives. Can I meet you guys? Uh, Dwayne wasn't available. So I met him at the Max Diner, which is walking distance here from the studio. And we had a New Jersey diner lunch. And then we came here, right where we're sitting now, and did a little quick inter- interview. Oh, great. Awesome. And I'm going to roll that in right now. Roll it in. I'm here with Dan Domi. Yep. And uh, it's pretty awesome because Dan is the first ever podcast listener that I've met. Ever. 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 And Dan, you've been writing uh, to us like uh, for the last, what, four or five months? Uh, yeah, I think the the first episode I... I paid attention to or downloaded was uh episode four um and then uh shortly after that i sent a few emails it, it was pretty cool because you know the the podcast is sort of a you know it's very free and you know oh, yeah. it's, I, I felt really welcome there were no reservations about uh sending you an email yeah well i'm glad you did and yeah. of course i murdered your name at first right yeah yeah 
Do you but get do you I, get that I, a lot? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, Domi is kind of like uh, it, it's cool. There's a story behind the name. At, well, that pronunciation, at least. Um, my grandfather was in uh, World War II. Okay. And he was on the boat going over to uh, Europe. Okay. And uh, there was a uh, some sort of officer, like a lieutenant or something like that, reading reading off the names. And he, he got to my grandfather's name and he was like, D- Domi? Yeah. Probably butchered it, but that's what we stuck with. Is that right? Yeah. So. Um, what was the pronunciation before? I'm not entirely sure. We've because we've been calling it Domi ever since uh, since I've you know right. been been alive. Well, it seems like a murder so. just about any everyone's name. Yeah, uh, that, I, I kind of like the uh, the the first stab at it, which was Domi, because you you sort of uh, made a comparison to uh, uh, Jonathan Demi. Okay. Who did uh, uh, stop making sense? Yes. And uh, Silence of the Lambs. Yes. So. I, I think that was pretty cool. So uh, Dan, uh, r- you know, wrote in, uh, and we've read quite a few letters, right? Uh, You're yeah. like a regular. Yeah, I'm. I'm sort of a regular. You've you've read two of my emails on the air, right? And those you didn't uh, read on the air, at least you responded to. Oh, good. I, I think I might have. Uh, uh, the last show that I listened to was uh, the one where uh, Dwayne interjected at the end with, uh, talking about stand development. Okay. And I, I, I know I asked about that. So maybe that was my email. It probably was, was that he was, uh, addressing. Well, I'm, I'm just, it's just so awesome that Dan is here that I'm just going to, we're just going to be silent for a second. Cause I'm just going to stare at him and be like, so great to have a listener here. I, I'm not going to lie. That's, uh, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dan is from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like, not originally. Originally, I'm from Virginia, and like dead middle, sort of. Yeah, the the exact. I'm going to school at Penn State, so anybody who goes to Penn State knows that the uh, the geographic center of the the whole state is right right there on campus. Right, and just so people out there know, you, you're not like an undergrad. No, no, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm doing my PhD in acoustics here. Oh yeah, that's great. Well, can you re- really fast? Can you just give me a quick overview uh, of uh, my setup here? I mean, based upon the type of acoustics and the uh, padding and whatnot, would you say we're okay? This is an okay place. To yeah, re- actually, the uh, the uh, the dividers here are padded with carpet that gives you a lot of absorption. Right. Um, you got acoustic tile in the ceiling. Yep. So there's not a lot of reverb in here, which you don't want. No, the studio's like that. I yeah, prefer to yeah. I prefer to tape here, and right. we're using standard. These are standard Shure, yeah, six thirty fives. I I, okay. I bought these mics. They're all the same model because mm-hmm. uh, from my Comcast days, right? It was just a standard mic, reporter mic. You go out in the field, and it's it's a workhorse yeah. too. FP thirty three Shure mixer. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh no no I do have uh, some uh, people I know who work at Shure. Okay, uh, former. Uh, acoustics program graduates and, and um, Audacity, yeah, which is the software we use to record this podcast. It's good open source software. No, no bells and whistles, but gets uh, gets stuff done. It has a few plugins that I use, like the Echo. Go, go, go. Uh, yeah, Servi. <laughs> uh, uh, right. Um, I, I I like the uh, the various, various echoes, echoes that, that I hear. Uh, here. Uh, in in the podcast episodes, kind of ridiculous. But. So, are you a pro or con the sound effects? 
Uh, I like most of the sound effects. Okay. Um, I think John made a fart noise once. That was like a little childish, but... That might have been I, I canned. Kinda... That might have been a sound oh, effect. Oh, it was definitely canned. Yeah. But, I mean, just the that one sound effect. like, And that and the first scream that I heard that was like ear piercing. Do you laugh or you... not really? Uh, it depends. Like, when you're talking about the volcano in Iceland and you had an explosion <laughs> sound effect, that was kind of kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do get a, yeah. a fair amount of letters from people who say they laugh out loud, which is, for me, great, because yeah. I, I feel like, you know, I'm making it fun. Yeah. And uh, I try not to overdo it. Yeah. You know, I, not... I don't think they're overdone. Good. I mean, Good. Uh, I mean there are always going to be some people who don't like the sound effects, but come on, don't hate. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a good, uh, I, I think that's a really good philosophy uh, that, that, across that the board. That pretty much sums up the philosophy of the whole podcast. Don't hate. No, it's really you true. Know? As a matter of fact, very briefly, I'll talk about, you know, the Impossible Project. Yeah. You know, I've been... Gee, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> People on Flickr, in their, their group, uh-huh. really, they really should pick up our philosophy... Don't hate. Yes. It's like these people are trying really hard to make this film, and it's you know, granted it has some problems. Everyone's like really on them, yeah. like in a really bad way. Yeah, because little problems that crop up. Did you see the recent uh, um, newsletter? Yes. That that had like the crystal problem. Yes. Yeah, that, but, but it, you know, they they found out that this problem exists. They might not have a uh, tried and true fix for it. Now I've never used the film, so I wouldn't know. But it's an but, experimental film. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, what do you expect? And at least they're telling you about it, and you know, showing you, okay, this is what could happen to a right. few of your photos. So be prepared, or here are some. Here's what's causing it. Here's something that might work, you know. I think that the Impossible Project is the most exciting thing to happen to photography in a very long time. Yeah. I mean, when can you – I mean, granted, uh, companies come out like Kodak or Fuji come out with new film stocks. Mm -hmm. But who's coming out with experimental film stocks that are unpredictable? Yeah, it's like sort of uh, – well, well, Polaroid is was like a tried and true process for so many years, but – it's starting from scratch. Right. It's like almost, almost like uh, trying to develop a new type of photography. Right. So imagine like, you know, the the last ingenuity I guess would have been uh, coming up with digital sensors. Right. You know, which they're no fun. Yeah. I, so I think the overall is, there are a lot of people on on forums that are I call them hair trigger. You know, hair trigger. Their their the fingers yeah. on trigger. Okay. You know, itchy hair, trigger fingers. Itchy of of like negativity. Yeah. yeah. And I think that I'm fortunate because film photography is is something I love, and certainly there's lots of stressful moments in my life when I at my job, which is at the studio producing low budget films. <laughs> hmm. And I try to have the philosophy across the board of you know just keep it positive, just keep it good. Because there's plenty of grief in people's lives. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even if it's not in your life, I mean, I'm sure maybe you have a relative, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, or somebody who just is impossible. <laughs> oh, okay. To deal Stubborn. with. Stubborn. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And always... I was I was thinking you were going to use a different adjective. But when it comes to photography, it's like you know what? Just like let it just just relax. Super positive. Yeah. So, so photography. When did you first start venturing into photography, and did you start 
digitally? Well, I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, you know, I had a camera because we would go on field trips or something. It was actually a, one of those thin 110 film oh, yes. cameras, you know. It was actually a uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles camera. Is that, that was yeah. your camera? That was my camera. And uh, it, it had, like, uh, if you opened up the the door, you could see uh, where the, the frame of film was. There was this little plastic insert which would... Uh, insert a little cartoon uh ninja turtle in the corner of every uh uh you know frame it would be the same turtle in every frame yeah yeah it was just a little clear uh thing with uh some black uh uh sketch on it do you still have this camera oh no i got rid of that a long time ago that sounds pretty awesome (laughs) yeah well that was like my first engineering project too because i didn't like it because oh. it had like a little black border around it probably because of the, the light diffraction or something so it, it was it wasn't just the image like the the sketch in the corner but it was also like this black border around it that sort of ruined the the image so i i opened it up and i uh just just pulled it out so that you know it, it was just the image that i was no more shooting. ninja turtle yeah no he was gone you, you didn't miss him? I didn't, no. But I did, like, keep him, like, in my drawer. Like, I, I put him away in case I wanted to come back. Gotcha. Just as a safety precaution. But, um, yeah, uh, and in that era, I didn't know about film, anything about it. Um, so Other than you just knew you had to shoot on it and send it out for developing, of course. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, my, my parents took care of that. Right. So, you know, I was always, you know... Uh, puzzled as why i had this weird looking cassette that i dropped in my camera and everyone else had these rolls of 35 millimeter right that they were shooting in their cameras um so i that was pretty much uh my only film camera uh i didn't have a camera for a while and then um after what oh then i had the uh you remember the advantix Yes. Uh, system. Yeah. I never, I never invested in any of those cameras. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm, but I'm uh, assuming they were point and shoot cameras. Yeah, they were point and shoot. Um, that was cool because you had different aspect ratios. You know, you had the panoramic, you had mm-hmm. the two different uh, normal sizes of of print, and then all of a sudden, like, uh, there must have been some horrible light leak in the system. Now that I think about it, because I went to Canada on a school trip. And I brought three rolls of film, maybe it was four. And um, I came back, sent them off for development. They were all gray. Oh. Everything came back gray. And we, we shot another roll, and it found out it must have been the camera. So that's right around the time digital was uh, starting. Right. The digital point and shoots were starting to get popular. So I've had like two point and shoots. Digital. And then, yeah, digital. And what made you say, screw this, let me get back to, or let me get to, or let me uh, start shooting 35 millimeter? Well, um, before that, um, I started getting serious about photography when I moved to Pennsylvania. Okay. And then, because I had a little bit of extra money, and I uh, could finally take up photography as like a artistic hobby, rather than, you know, I'm out on vacation, let me shoot a, you know, it was, it was more of a... Um, you know the the artistic side of it. So I, I learned my stuff there, and then uh, I got comfortable with you know f stops and 
uh, ISO and exposure and all the stuff you need to know mm -hmm. from a technical aspect. And then one of my friends, who was also a photographer, said that he had just picked up a Holga. So I looked up what a Holga was and uh, looked at uh, all these things about film, cross-processing, all that stuff. Got really into it. And that's why I decided to get a uh, Canon A2 on uh, eBay, which is pretty, it's a 35mm camera that takes the same lenses that... I already had for my digital camera, right? the EF Canon mount. So it was, it was a good deal because I had like three or four lenses and I didn't have to uh, buy new lenses for this new camera system like if I got a AE-1 or a, a Nikon film camera. So I'd been shooting with that. I actually, it, it showed up in the mail and there was this little button up here on the uh, left side that you have to push down right. and then turn the uh, knob that the the dial that uh, you use to select like aperture value and time value and program all that stuff and I didn't know you had to push a button down uh -oh. so I just I rotated it and broke it and I found, <laughs> I found, I went on eBay there's this one guy down in Nevada who specializes in this kind of repair and because it happens often yeah um, they're like notorious. That's our one downfall. They're notorious for this kind of breaking. How, how uh, long ago did your your friend with the Holga, like how long ago was that? That was actually towards the end of last year. Okay. May, I'm, I'm going to guess maybe November-ish. So, you know? so you're jumping into photography, film photography is fairly new. Yeah, I'd say beginning of 2010s really when I um, nice. slowly started to get out of the um, digital and pick up the uh, film. Right. Initially, Holga did not really interest you as something you wanted to dive into? No, and I still kind of don't want to get a Holga because I think they're a little bit overpriced okay. for, for something that you can get with another camera that's probably not as well known. Right. Like uh, I have a, an E-Star twin lens reflex, reflex I picked up for about $40. It's pretty well made. It's solid. Um, it's got that... Uh, uh, waist level viewfinder yep, that you can yep. look down into and um, it, it produces kind of like a similar image so um, you get a little bit of darkness around the vignetting right. around the edges so yeah it, it's sort of similar to a Holga but um, it's not as cheaply made right. so you're not at this point you're not a camera obsessed I mean you're not uh... I sort of am I, I've collected a few like um, I picked up a uh, Kodak Instamatic, like 104 or something like that. 126 film? Um, yeah, it was the uh, the same film that uh, the Jason Mosprat video. Yes. Yes. Um, so I watched that, and um, I've only shot one roll in it. and uh, Of 35? The, of 35 millimeter. And the pictures didn't come out very good, but I was... It was the first time using it, and uh, right. I was using my home uh, C41 color kit. Really? Yeah. C41. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Now, I've come to kind of love, because what you just said about, well, you know, the, it didn't come out too good. And I was sort of last year sort of like, well, you know, every every frame needs to sort of be Kodachrome quality for me, like sharpness, yeah. beautiful. But lately, as you can see by, I have a piece of paper here that's actually uh, Dan's release form for appearing on the podcast. And I yes. took a Polaroid. In which I'm referred to as the talent. 
<laughs> yeah, yes, you are. I took a Polaroid from this is actually Fuji, uh, Fuji FP 100 film. Yeah. And it's the crack and peel film where you peel apart. We shot it with a uh, Color Pack 2 camera. And right. I uh, sort of was, I transferred the image yeah. to hit the release form, which I'm going to scan. Yeah. And um, I it's, mean, it's like um, way well, it's almost like carbon paper. You press, yes. like, you press down on it, and it tra- or it's like an iron-on T-shirt. They call it a Polaroid transfer. Yeah. And this is such a amazing uh, 180 degree. Yeah. From let's say shooting with your Canon photography, it's caused by UFOs. If you do scan that and post it on uh, Flickr or something, make sure you take out my signature. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I'll uh, I'll frame, frame that out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you have at this point, you have no real interest in kind of diving into the whole, you know. Well, right over here, where is it? Uh, Dan brought in an Agfa clack, which, by the way, we're giving away to uh, a podcast listener. Yeah. And well, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I basically uh, I listened to the first clack giveaway, and um, I, I noticed that it, w- it wasn't really advertised too well the first time around, and there were a lot of late responses. There were. Yeah. So I figured, you know, that it was. It would be a good idea if, you know, since I don't really use the clack too much, I'd give it away, and maybe one of those late uh, submissions could get a chance to get their hands on it. Did you shoot a roll of film in the clack? Uh, yeah, I shot two, actually. The problem was I, it was at a party, so it was kind of dark, and the clack is really sort of an outside, you know, in the in the daylight kind of camera. Right. Yeah. Hear that clack. This clack has a sweet case. Yeah. It's uh, like a soft, supple, faux leather. The soft, supple, faux leather. Uh-huh. It's brown, and, it's, you know, it's the actual case that the camera, I guess, was sold in. Mm-hmm. And uh, the clack we gave away a few months ago did not have a case. I mean, this is sweet. Yeah. Now, I can't guarantee that I can find the entries from the previous clack giveaway, because it is has been a few months. So Right. Uh, courtesy of Dan is Agfa Clack. We're giving it away on the Film Photography Podcast. Uh, we'll give this away on... When should we give this away? Let's see. This uh, is a July, July 1st. July 5th. Well, uh, well we're doing two a month them, now, but I don't know okay. if we're going to stick with... Well, let's say for the 8-1 podcast. Okay, August. yeah. August 1st. And if you're if you're worried, uh, send in another email, I guess. Yes, yeah, if you if you did, don't count on your old email being in Mike's archive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I try to save stuff, like over here or letters. Oh my gosh, it's incredible. Yeah. Thank <laughs> God. Oh my God. You print uh, the, you're you're wasting ink. Well, I, I. Well, I guess it's not waste. I, I print out all These the emails are, that you folks send in yeah. uh, because I need the kind of paper to read because. Uh, when I have the software open to record, by the way, I engineer the show as well, so I don't like to open up too many windows. Yeah, you don't want to go alt-tab and no. try and look up the email no. as you're recording. I try to keep an eye on the levels and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but send your email to filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com and uh, get put your entry in for the clack. Ag for clack. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. Give away other stuff this month. So, you know, uh, sort of like uh, pick the camera you'd... Like best, I do need an email for each giveaway, a separate email. 
Lately, I've been getting emails. I don't know if you've sent any. Have you sent any? Uh, I was uh, trying to um, get my hands on Urban Hafner's uh, rangefinder, okay. 35 millimeter rangefinder. Yeah. The results podcast has not yet come out. You so. didn't win. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was I was going to try and maintain the air of secrecy, you know, but uh, you so know, much for that. <laughs> Uh, I try to keep the podcast sort of free of rules and, you know, keep it very simple. But lately, because we're giving so much stuff away, I do ask you to send a separate email. In in the heading of the email, put Agfa Clack. Oh, okay. um, For each giveaway. So if you are trying to win a Polaroid camera, send a separate email. Because when you send an email saying, I'd like to win any of the cameras that you're giving away this month, it gets a little rough because I have to figure out which cameras you're talking about, and um, then I have to like walk to the photocopier yeah. and photocopy because I guess people are not going to quite understand how analog we actually are. Like when you win or when you enter, this little envelope is like this is a box and <laughs> Polaroid one yeah. step. That's that's literally with a post-it note on it. Here's the Mamiya 135. Ah, it's a, an envelope. This is an envelope. Yeah. So when you enter a contest, I literally just print it out, fold it into a very small little, yeah, uh, little cube, and I stick it in an envelope with about a, the size of a raffle ticket. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know super analog. There's nothing digital here, as far as uh, your wins. So just send a separate email except, per. Except for the whole email part, right? That's yes. Yeah, that's digital. Correct. Correct. <laughs> you also brought in some ag for black and white film, which I don't have right here on the table. Do you... Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, Agfa APX 400 black and white film. It's kind of like a medium contrast right. black and white film. I've I've shot tons of rolls of it, and I really like it. And I'm just uh, I want to move on to different black and white films. So I was like, and I was looking at my stash. And I was like, I still have so much to go through. So I figured I was coming this way. So might give uh, five or so rolls away. Yep. So, so we're calling that Dan Domi donation film. Yeah. I'll probably put an actual sticker on it. <laughs> uh, I want a copy of the sticker. Oh, absolutely. One. Did yeah. you see the stickers for some of the other films? Uh, I've got some stuff, some film in the mail from you. Was there uh, stickers on it with, like, my face and Dwayne's face? Oh, no, I haven't seen those. That's new. Oh, man. Well, so, you're going to have to give me some film, then. Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, Tit for tat. Lately, folks have been sending in film to give away. So the, the arsenal of giveaway stuff is increasing, which is amazing. And what I do, because I'm a very cut-and-paste kind of guy, If like Dan's donating his film. So I'm, with his approval, of course, I'm probably going to take uh-huh. an image of him. And one of his images, and make like a little sticker, and I'll say like film photography podcast, film donated by Dan Domi or yeah. Dan Domi donation film. Right. And I'll make I'll put that little sticker on the canister. <laughs> and okay. uh, lately, I've been also doing like little little cards. I mean, eventually, I'm gonna make okay. some postcards. Right. You know, uh, I've been getting a lot of emails lately talking about, hey, can we do a project together, or you know, a meetup, or you know, something kind of collectively. And um, what I want to eventually do, which will probably happen a lot sooner than later, is to, uh, from the pool, right. find images and make, like, little postcards, stuff that I could just throw in packages. Yeah, yeah. You know, that has, you know, image by, and that'll, that'll be a podcast listener. That would be great because, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of activity 
in the Flickr pool. Yes. And, uh, you know, I just uh, forget to go back there and check out these awesome images that people are making with film. Yes. So, you know, I've posted stuff occasionally there. Uh, no idea whether anybody's checked it out. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes I miss uh, photos from other users that are really cool. And just because so much new stuff has come in, I don't yeah. get a chance to. So that would be really, really cool. The first time in quite a few months, uh, John and myself went through the pool and we picked some faves and we uh, are going to be talking. We're talking about them this uh, podcast. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of great because, uh, you know, we kind of forget about that. And uh, uh, it's a lot of fun to go through the pool to see what listeners are, are sending in. And the listeners are, you know, from all over the world. So it's really great to sort of see where the images are from and what people are shooting on. And uh, Dwayne has yet to join Flickr. Oh, he should get on that. He should get on that. Yeah. Absolutely, because I will. I mean, for the first time, John did some picks. Really, and his sensibilities are very different than mine. So that's what makes it great. If if Dwayne could do some picks, get uh, get three different styles. Yes, in there. yes. Yeah. Dwayne has a different aesthetic than I do. So yeah. now you brought with you, yes. uh, Photo three sixty five twenty ten. I guess uh-huh. so far. Right. Well, Photo three sixty five is actually a fairly popular project. Well, do you that... have Do you have one? Uh, what? Like in on Flickr, do you have a 365? Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, under my my profile. Um, by the way, on on Flickr, my uh, username is y e k n o m zero two. Why? Why is that? Uh, well, it's the the word monkey spelled backwards. Oh. And then zero two is the year I graduated high school. Okay, and that's so people cannot find you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Have you um, thought of switching it? But your name comes up, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My name, uh, that's just uh, the, the username. Like, if you go to flickr.com slash photos slash yeknam02, right. that's how you get to my but uh, my uh, gallery. But I'm my, my name, Dan Domi, does pop up there. So if someone put Dan Domi, D-A-N-D-O-M-M-E, under Flickr members, would you come up? Maybe I don't not. know. Maybe maybe if you searched for it. What's your actual Flickr name? Say that again. Y e k n o m zero two. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're one of my contacts, so I don't have to yeah. write this down. Right. One more time, <laughs> say that. Y e k. Yes. N o m. Yes. Zero two. So listeners, please do check it out. I notice this is a blurb book. Yes. I've been on blurb.com. Yeah. And uh, I haven't placed a book with them. I ordered from a really sort of um, sketchy. Uh, sketchy could be a word. There's a, <laughs> a photo lab that's been around since the 70s called Clark Color Labs. Oh, okay. And they're very much a consumer. You know, mm-hmm. like um, people's grandmas still send their 110 film to Clark. Right. It's it, back in the day. You get the Sunday newspaper, and you get a uh, insert that would be one of those yellow photo inserts, ten cents a photo, oh, that kind yeah. of thing. And Clark has been around such a long time, and they also make a book, as does a company called PhotoWorks, which okay. used to be Seattle FilmWorks. <laughs> I went to Blurb, and I thought, I mean, these, these are not uh, these are not cheap, right? Uh, no, that was uh, somewhere between forty and fifty bucks, I think. Of course, I, I got like the premium paper. And it's about um, thirty to forty images in there. Are you are full, you full size? Are you pleased with the uh, printing? 
I, I'm fairly pleased. The colors shift a tiny bit, but I, I'm never one to really, you know, nitpick about color correction too much. Right. Um, I kind of like the weird uh, shifts that I get. Like the uh, the bird's image on the cover um, was, it's it's on a purple sky. And you can see that in my uh, Flickr gallery. This picture yeah. on the cover of your uh, Photo 365 book. Right. This, that, that's it was a, purple. Uh, well, the, not, the sky wasn't purple. But, you, but the when I originally scanned it, it was cross-processed. Oh, gotcha. So um, it, it just so happened that the sky came out purple. And I was like, well, that's really, really cool. I'm not going to tweak the colors at all. I'm just going to you know send it to the printer that way. Right. Now, this book, the contents of this book, is in your Flickr account? Yeah, it's all in my uh, Photo 365, you know, uh, MMX, I think I call it, uh, Roman numerals for 2010. I'm about halfway through. I'm just kind of like perusing it. The back image, which is the image in the middle, which is also the back image, is sort of like uh, two guys on a picket line. Yeah, protesters. Protesters. They're they're protesting the, uh, the war that we're involved in, and that's actually my favorite image in, in this collection. The rich wa- wage war and the poor die. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's well, been going on for quite a while. Yeah. I, I You know, it's one of those simple things. I, I walked up to them and I asked, hey, can I take your picture? And first they were like, well, what's this for? And I'm like, I'm a student, you know. So, which if I've got a camera, you'll, you can assume that I'm a film student, even though I'm not studying film at all. Um, but, uh, they were willing to let me take their picture and put it in my little private collection. I see you were enjoying the last year of Kodachrome. Quite a few of these are shot on Kodachrome 64. Yes. Yes, they are. This is a good one too. It's just a brick wall with a... Yeah, it's a crocodile in a uh, <laughs> in a tuxedo in a uh, Cadillac convertible. Yeah, and it says absolutely no stickball playing. I'm enjoying the way you framed it. The way I like the fact that the corner of the building uh-huh. is, is visible. Is visible. Yeah. I've been building crazy lately. I've been shooting the studio building obsessively. Right. Uh, as Dwayne makes fun of me, and rightfully so. I'm the only guy <laughs> on the planet that opened a Model Mayhem account and filled it with pictures <laughs> of architecture. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, this one is this recent? Uh, yeah, that was uh, taken in Barnes and Noble. That's uh, one of the members of our local photo uh, club uh, in you, at Penn State. You have a photo club? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, a, a handful of us that meet. Uh, we try to meet every Sunday. This man looks pretty yeah. serious about photography. Yeah. So he looks like um, I don't know, like like he has something to say. Yeah, he has something to tell you. He he really knows his stuff. Oh, too. he does. Yeah, he he's uh, shot uh, plenty on film, um, even though most of the people in the club now do uh, digital stuff. Right. I actually d- was able to convert um, uh, one of the members to buying a film camera and trying that out, but I haven't seen his results yet. I like this self-portrait. Yeah, I thought it was like a, an interesting yeah. twist on a self-portrait. It makes you look like a very easygoing guy. Well, I, I always think that it looks like I'm hanging myself. Oh uh, No, I don't see it that way. <laughs> oh, okay. So, yeah. The, so, the, is this guy in the club, too? No, that's my uh, friend Scott uh, from... Uh, we, were, we were having lunch at Jimmy John's. Okay. The, that picture and the picture that uh, was taken in Barnes & Noble were taken with this E-Star. Oh, camera. okay. Okay. That, that's why it's square. 
Now, I like this picture, even though there's not a something to focus on. You agree? I mean, you like this picture too. It's in your book. Yeah. I, I mean, well, now I don't necessarily like all the pictures because the project is you try and shoot at least one photo every day, oh. and then you pick something to to represent the day. Right. Now lately, I've been so backlogged, and you know, uh, my schedule's been so craptastic that you know I've just selected a number of images that I've shot. Right. You know, like maybe I did a whole bunch of photos one day and I'll spread that, I'll re- use that to represent my week right. or something. Cause so I, you're I'm kind of cheating. You're not numbering your pictures like day, obsessively day one, day two. Day well, two. I, I am on uh, Flickr, just I guess sort of to keep track of how many I've right. taken and include it. I see you have a Superheads Black Slim Devil. Yes. Which is the same as a uh, Vivitar Ultra, Ultra Wide, wide and Slim. slim. Ultra wide and slim. <laughs> Ultra wide and slim. I was actually in an eBay bidding war for a uh, Vivitar. Ultra wide and slim. Do you know what the final price was? I'm gonna have to guess. I'm gonna have to guess. One hundred and twenty dollars. Actually, not too far off. It was one hundred and twelve. That's nuts. That's a. I, that's, I, I consider them nuts. five dollar cameras. I know that's yeah, really going out on a limb, but so yeah. I yeah I wanted to try it out, and I heard like it's even like the same factory as the Vivitars. So I picked one up for whatever the going rate is, like twenty bucks or something like that. Right. Where did you buy the Superheads? Um, I actually found an eBay seller. Oh. Uh, because I was right there on eBay. I was like, this is nuts. And then I literally searched for Superheads right then and there um, and found uh, that it actually got shipped from China. It hasn't uh, become like part of your daily routine? doesn't sit in your pocket all the time? No, no. It's, it's sort of, I really have to be thinking about it. Like, oh, I haven't used the... Uh, wide and slim for a while right i still consider it a wide and slim even though it's like a a black devil or whatever it is i bought a, a i bought an olympus stylus epic it's a 35 millimeter point and shoot okay uh it has a 35 millimeter lens and it's f 2.8 which is fairly a little yeah. wider for uh-huh. a point and shoot and i kind of keep that in my pocket at all times okay yeah I'm trying to like live like the Lomo, you know, mm-hmm. make carry the carry the camera everywhere. Yeah, just kind of like make the camera part of you, not like a you know, not as a chore. Yeah, for my carry around camera, I'll actually carry around this uh, this Canon A2 or the uh, Canon AE1. Okay. If I feel like uh, having a manual focus day. Do Do you like manual focus? Um, I like the viewfinder. A little bit better because it has that little circular prism thing mm-hmm, in the center. Mm-hmm. So when the Im- two parts of the image line up, you know that that particular part of the frame is in focus. I, I I've never shot with a uh, with a um, uh, autofocus. Yes, thank you. <laughs> autofocus. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne swears by it. Right. Uh, he says that uh, they're quite good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I could just never get used to it. Yeah, well, it's got its ups and downs. Like, uh, sometimes... Who's hmm. that? Who is that? It's the wrong number. It's the wrong number. Yeah, it's usually... When people call here they, at night, they're calling... They ask for um, if we're a restaurant. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because the numbers... I used to get uh, calls at, my, at the house where I grew up asking if we were the bingo parlor. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it was like one digit off. 
And there, we have to keep telling them that, no, no, you got the wrong number. The bingo parlor. Yeah. So how often do you make a new book? Actually, I'm, I'm past due right now. I try to come out with one uh, around every month or so, just because it's nice to break up the year into about eight parts. So about every 45 days or so. Do you, where do you keep the books? On my bookshelf. Do you leave them out for people to look through or are you rather them not? Uh, well, if, if I, I take it places like, okay. uh, you know, if I'm going to a friend's house, I'll just throw out my bag, which I carry everywhere anyway. Right. And, uh, say, you know, uh, here, here's some photos I took. Right. And they're usually pretty interested to flip through it. Do you have a separate book for like, you know, family gatherings and stuff? No, not really. You try um, to make this like more of a... That's arts, just my project. Your project yeah. book, not like, yeah. like, uh... Yeah. You know, Aunt Tilly's birthday party. None of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, like I, I, ju- I was telling Mike earlier that I just came back from a trip in New Mexico. Oh. I'm going to uh, come back with uh, – I'm waiting on Dwayne's, but um, I should be getting back some really cool Kodachromes in addition to the black and white stuff that right. I developed myself. And uh, got some good pictures out of that. I don't know if I'm going to do anything with them other than make like a Flickr set. It, they won't. A few of those will be going into the Photo 365 project. Right. But, we should do a yeah. – uh, some listeners talk about a group project. Yeah. We should start here in Jersey. We rent a van. And <laughs> uh, myself, Dwayne, and maybe John – uh, we drive across to Dwayne's photo in Parsons, Kansas, and we pick up listeners along the way. Oh, okay. Like we, Pac-Man. I guess. L- we pick dots. you up. Yeah. And that we... I'm, I'm not going to Kansas again. Oh, you were there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, my my friend uh, goes to, or he graduated from Kansas University in uh, in Lawrence. Did you go to Dwayne's photo? Uh, no, I had not heard of oh. it by then. Um, this was before I was into film. So, uh, I but Kansas is... It's no fun driving uh, all the way there. I, I, I drove from Kansas to Virginia in one day. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm a, a romantic, but this used to be something really cool. You know, you get your package from Dwayne's photo, yeah. and you kind of want to touch it. You know, I want to go, <laughs> go to Dwayne's photo. I want to touch it. I want to go to Dwayne's photo and, like, touch it. And check it out. Although I know yeah. it's probably amazingly deadpan. Because, yeah. you know, photo labs are very... There's yeah, nothing. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's usually not too much creativity going on. Right. There. There was. Um. Uh, I had seen a local news video, uh, talking about Dwayne's and how it was the last Kodachrome process. So you got to see in the video just a hint of like what the machine looks like. Right. And it just looks like this boring office, fluorescent yep. lights, uh, women you know. with like hairnets on. Uh, no, it coats. was just the the uh, probably, but it was just the uh, owner talking about uh, the facility and how they were going to discontinue the processing at the end of this year. Right, and then, then of course, uh, I don't know if if you have sent your film, but I've sent my film to a place called uh, Blue Moon Photo. I, I've heard of them uh, through this podcast, oh, but I've okay. not tried them out. They, uh, I started shooting 127 film. Okay. With that camera, it was the uh, Kodak Autograph. It, it was the 1912 or 1911 camera. The old World War One style yeah. folding camera. Yeah. It takes 127 film, and uh, Dwayne's does 127, but oddly enough, only offers the uh, negative processing with prints. Yeah. And I just want negs only. 
which yeah, is strange because just... Dwayne's usually offers that, but not for 127. So I did an internet search using the Google, and I found Blue Moon Photo. I believe they're in Oregon, mm-hmm. and they're the nicest people you could uh, you could ever imagine. And uh, they follow up. They actually call you, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently they have like little meetings at a coffee house. Really? So they sound – I really don't know, but they sound <laughs> a little more creative. Okay. Like they may actually take pictures and understand like, you know, that treat it more like an art form. Right. They sound awful swell. I'd like to go there too. <laughs> yeah. So the next event that Dwayne and I are going to, probably the PDN show in New York. Photo District News? Yeah. yeah. In – I believe it's October. And when we have more information, we'll get the date and that is where we'll be. And uh, certainly people can come out and hang and see the show. And uh, Dan, I'm thrilled you came down. Uh, unfortunately, we have to close up because we've been talking for 45 minutes. Really? We may have the longest podcast ever with, with this segment in it. Oh, my gosh. FPP three-hour podcast extravaganza, maybe. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, let's not forget, Dan brought the Agfa clack in. It is a fine, fine specimen. Agfa clack. It's in a, a soft, we'll call it leatherette, sort of a uh, puke brown color <laughs> with yellow, with mustard trim. Uh, it, it's kind of like, it's not puke, but rather that sawdust they used to pour on top yes. of it in elementary school. Yes. You know. And um, we're offering up this camera, courtesy of Dan. Uh, send your email to filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com. We're going to pull the winner on August First, so try to get your uh, entries in by no later than, let's say, the third week of July. Yeah, you should take a picture of that. I am. And and post that I am. for posterity. I am going to take a picture of this. Yeah. And um, if you were in a previous Agfa Clack entry, please resend because I don't know where that little uh, paper folder is of all those, uh, you know, the losers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Dan also brought in some Agfa. APX 400 film, now, lot, ISO 400. A lot of folks have been sending emails in because we we have talked about black and white development at home, and a lot of listeners have been doing developing at home. Yeah. Uh, so do, you, been, do you talk about that in either of the two podcasts that I have not heard yet? No, black, oh. we don't. We're probably I gonna, love black and white development. Probably, oh, that reminds me. Yes. A little thing that I wanted to bring up yes. that uh, listeners might not know about. What's that? Um, that you can do uh, at least black and white 35mm uh, film pretty cheaply if you buy what's known as a bulk loader. Is that right? Yes. Um, yeah. I went on eBay and got a... Uh, uh, it's just this little plastic uh, container... That holds a 100-foot spool of black-and-white film. And you load it in a changing bag uh, to the point where uh, it's mostly light-tight. And then you can buy these little reloadable 35-millimeter canisters yes, in, yes. In, um, from Adorama or B&H or wherever. And you can stick one in, uh, lock up the door, uh, crank it, crank out like 35 or 36 exposures onto a roll, you know, cut it with scissors, and boom, you have a uh, your own custom rolled 35 millimeter, uh, like Ilford HP5 or Tri-X 400. This you know. is one of the areas that I'm not ventured into that's still like scary to me. For example, you load the bulk roll of film about 100 feet. 100 feet, yeah. Into the bulk loader, 
and once it's sealed, it's, it's it's tight. It's it's light, light tight. tight. Yeah. Now, is there a dial where you set like how many exposures you want to go into the canister? At least on mine, there is. Um, I they uh, say uh, wind it to uh, the equivalent of negative two to give you a little bit of a right. liter. Uh, and then you uh, you crank it out and pass zero, and then each uh, every so often it clicks, and another exposure has gone right. by. And then once uh, I think they say to wind it two more than you actually need, right. so that you can uh, trim. Well, no, I guess that end would be the leader, but you uh, trim off some extra, mm-hmm. and then you have 35 uh, exposures. I, you, I do 35. How do you dock it, the canister to it? Uh, well, there's like a, a little uh, spring-loaded section in one end, and the other sent, uh, end is a crank. You know, um, the the reloadable canisters you can actually pop both ends off right. uh, the canister, and then you will tape the film right. to the center spool, and then slide that back into the outer canister, and then pop the uh, two ends of the spool on there. And just stick that in, and you're ready to wind. And how often do you, do you use it? Um, I, I've actually I've had it for a while, but you know I've been shooting this uh, uh, pre-spooled film that you always buy in stores. Um, I've been trying to work through that, but I just uh, I wound my own uh, my first roll of HP5. And I put that in this camera here, my okay. A2. And so this is actually my first roll. I haven't developed any, so I don't know if there's any light leaks i got to worry about yet. What about DX encoding? Uh, the DX, you can buy some DX-coded canisters. Oh, okay. I bought some 400-speed uh, uh, canisters. Gotcha. So it works great because I have 400-speed uh, HP5. Yeah. Apparently you can get about, for, for 100 feet, you can get up, two or even more than 20 rolls out of it wow so i i think i did the math with processing you know chemicals and stuff each roll of film that i shoot if i do 35 or 36 exposures is going to be like like two bucks and 60 cents or something right. like that you know it's really cheap yeah no doubt um, and can you and is there is it amp did you buy the bulk film on eBay or? Um, I actually got that through Freestyle. Oh, okay, Freestyle, um, absolutely. And they have uh, a number of different films you can choose from. Uh, a few Ilfords, uh, Arista, I think they have up there. Okay. They have Triax, you know, Kodak, and they, they, I think they even have some color film that you can wind yourself. That'd be pretty cool. I can't cool. be, I can't be sure. Right. But there's, it's possible. Okay. Well, Dan, thanks for. Uh, coming over oh it's been a pleasure yeah it's been I'm, really really I'm awesome. glad to uh set the bar nice and low for any future uh <laughs> uh podcast guests that you might have <laughs> well this is a fpp first having a listener on and uh, i hope it's been enjoyable and always open for feedback to film photography podcast at gmail.com i think you were a uh, great guest Oh, thank you very Certainly much. Certainly better than Joe Colbeck was. <laughs> <laughs> I hate film. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, hopefully we'll uh, see you very soon. Oh, yeah. And uh, one last plug, if you want to check me out on Flickr. Yes. The uh, username is Y-E-K-N-O-M-0-2. 
uh, you can you can add me as a contact. I'd love to uh, uh, check out some of your work and have you check out some of mine. Great. We'll be right back. Imagine a picture so sharp and so vivid that the finest detail is etched clearly and unforgettably. That's why Kodak makes Kodachrome Film, the sharpest color slide film you can buy. As you can see, the sharper you want your memories, the more you need Kodachrome Film. From Kodak, America's Storytelling. It was it is so cool to finally have uh, physical contact right. with a podcast listener. You know, when there's a big convention in the city, we should probably so send out the word. Dwayne and, and I are going bar. to the what, what convention are we going to? The one we went to last year, you yeah, mean? Yeah, we're going to this year. What's that? The called? Photo East Expo. It changes its name. I guess it's called the uh, EDN Photo District News Photo East Expo at the Jacob Javits Center. I believe it's in October. Hmm. Fun show, man. So people that are coming in to, to see it, perhaps. I met Graham Nash there. Did you really? Yeah. He's a big photographer. He owns a company in California called Nash Editions. They're one of the first companies on the face of the planet Earth to actually take inkjet prints. They, he had a big iris printer, not the Epson, and uh, sell them as artwork. And he was there talking about it. And he was talking right. about CSN, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. He was just talking about like... Uh, hey, we got a letter from Randy. Hey, Randy. Randy says, I'm new to film photography, and I'm loving film... And I wish I got into it much sooner. You see, my father worked for Kodak for around 30 years until he was laid off in the massive downsizing last mm. year. I grew up in Rochester, New York. Where Kodak Rochester! <laughs> God, that is a Jack Benny reference. That is older than the hills. The hills. I grew up in Rochester, New York. Rochester! <laughs> I grew up in New York where Kodak's main headquarters is located. <laughs> Up until uh, he up in Rochester. Rochester. Actually, that's Rochester's voice. Jack. It was like Rochester. Jack Benny used to say Rochester. Oh, did he? Well, Rochester. Rochester. Yeah, that's it. Yes, sir. Uh, until he got laid off, he had access to free film, developing printing, and I never once took advantage of this. <gasps> wow. You How can your father you work for Kodak? It, imagine. When you're a kid, you just you do know. stupid things. You and don't I will. When I was a kid, I was probably th- 15. My dad's like, it's a good friend of mine, works at NBC. Mm-hmm. Big dog. He's like, here's his number. Call him up. Go over there and do an internship. Did you go? Dad, did you call the guy? Nah. Two weeks later. Did you call the guy? Do you know? I didn't call the guy at NBC. I did not do the internship. Stinks. And it would have changed my life. Yeah. I probably would be at NBC. Like a producer for NBC. You'd be, right. You'd be listening to this podcast laughing. <laughs> That's right. Hey, listen, listen to these jerks. They don't want to move with the times. When they you're want a kid, film. you just, film I don't know, sometimes you, you know what it is when you're a child? You can't be told what to do because yeah. you know it all yeah, no when you're young. And also you think like if I wait two weeks or a month, the opportunity will still be there yeah. or you know, like, another one will come along. You think, oh, this one popped up. Another one will pop yeah. up as well. Nuh-uh. No. So Randy's no. dad worked for no. Kodak. Worked yeah. for Kodak. He could have, you know, took, like, would have been like a film photographer's dream. Yeah. But you know what, Randy? What are you going to do? Nothing. Uh, so I'm currently kicking myself for not discovering my passion for photography sooner. <laughs> oh, well. Better late than never. True. He has an old Olympus OM4. Beautiful camera. He used exclu- uh, That his dad used exclusively. Zuiko lens is gorgeous. Better than Nikon. I'm sending I Randy a roll of Kodachrome. 
because uh, he, he re- requested it from my private stash. He's going to check that out. And uh, Randy, thanks for the letter. Randy Babachitis. B-A-B. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> that was worse uh, than any of the pronunciation. Randy, I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name. So sorry. we got to really brush up on people's I do love the strange banter you guys throw out during your show. Uh, one of which... No, strange banter would be like... No, strange banter would be like... 641. Boston Luna Pro F. Go to Chrome. One, two, three, forget about it. K-14. I am a skateboarder, <laughs> photographer in New York, PA. I'm sorry, I'm a skateboard photographer in York, PA, and I finally bought my... Skateboard photographer. Yes. One of the most beautiful girls I've ever photographed in my life was from York, Pennsylvania. Her name was Amy Miller. She was the Playboy... Uh, Book of Lingerie Model of the Year in 2002. Then she moved to Las Vegas, and she was the headliner for the X-Girls, like the biggest, sexiest show in Vegas, from York, Pennsylvania. Spend some time there. Shout out to Amy. She doesn't call me back now. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, How'd you say that? He just bought a Canon F5. Ooh. Last film production camera Nikon ever made, probably ever will make. I prefer shooting Velvia because my local shop can develop and scan it for me post-haste. Lucky. In any case, I would like to offer my words of appreciation for the show and would like to know if you want to use my Holga as a giveaway. He's not a fan. He says, I'm not much of a fan for it. So if you have some listeners that would be interested in trying it out and don't have the cash to drop on it, I would like to offer it up. Well, well, Jonathan, here's a scoop. You take your camera. This goes for anyone really out there that has a camera that works that you're just not using and would like to pass along to us, and we'll give it away. You send it to Film Photography Podcast, care of Michael Rasso, R-A-S-O, P.O. Box 152, Butler, New Jersey, B-U-T-L-E-R, 07405. Butler. Or send us an email, filmphotographypodcast at gmail.com, and just let me know when you're going to send it. But as soon as we get that into our hands, we will flip it. See, that's great that... He has no use for it. And there's probably 15, 20 people out there salivating now going, oh. Uh, 15, 20 people. Uh, I bought a Holga and I love it. And we're going to talk about it in a future podcast. I got a Holga a lot of love. You guys have a passion for film. You guys and your passion for film has inspired me to start developing my own black and white. Yay. So I ordered Dynafine developer from Freestyle. Diafine, not Dynafine. Diafine. <laughs> Any tips for extending my chemicals? He says right here, I often heard, I heard on another podcast that you can get up to 20 uses per batch. Can you confirm that? I would never, never do that. The reason why is that um, the degree that a particular particular developer, once it's mixed, lasts or doesn't last is depending upon so many different things. The hardness of your water, for one, um, you know, how long you wait in between processing runs. So for someone to say, oh, it'll do two rolls of film, it'll do 30 rolls of film, that's just, uh, that's just that's crazy guessing. talk. I mean, if you're going through the work of buying film, you're going through the work of taking photos, you want to use as fresh chemistry as possible. So how many uses would you get in your mind? I don't know what the solution capacity of diafine is, but what you can do is you can, uh, you know, a 35 millimeter roll of film is roughly 80 square inches. You can figure out the solution capacity of it, divide 80 into it, and it tells you how many rolls of film you can do. But don't exceed it. And certainly don't develop a roll of film and wait two weeks 
and go develop another roll of film because there will be cer certain particulate matter that comes out of solution and it will render it a lot weaker. Uh, it, you're best just using it one shot, meaning develop a roll of film, dump it out, start new. Save up a bunch of rolls of film and do them Yes, together. or that, or do them together, yeah. Dwayne, have you ever heard of anyone using Jet Dry as a final film wash? Huh. Jet, jet Dry? I don't even know what Jet Dry uh, is. It's made for dishwashers. I would never use it, no. We don't really know. I don't know. Maybe it works. I don't know, though. This is from Owen Kelly. Thank you, Owen. This is from... This is from AJ Batchelder. He says, let me hear you butcher this one. <laughs> Just well, it's spelled E-C-E. I would have said Ace. It's A-J. A-J. I've been listening to your podcast since the first episode. I learned about it from Mark Elders on the Leica forum, who was a total film guy. Cool. I've gone digital, but I'm trying to find my way back to the analog world. Uh, I am planning to do my own black and white developing. Following Dwayne's advice in April, I got the Darkroom Cookbook. Oh, excellent. And The Negative. Excellent. The Darkroom Cookbook, Chapter 1, How to Set Up a Darkroom, gave me an immediate headache, so I skipped to Chapter 2. <laughs> oh. So I skipped to it's Chapter 2, where bad. the book gets into developers. And it was so intense, I vomited. <laughs> I, will, I will study that for starters. Thank you for the tip and these books. By the way, the, the equipment list is another migraine-level headache, but I trust your much shorter list, the one that we mentioned, Dwayne. And that will suffice. I mean, a lot of these books is overkill because they want to be as comprehensive as possible. But just take it with a grain of salt. Don't stress over it. He also goes on to say that today he purchased a Polaroid 250 LAN camera. That, that This is a, a Polaroid camera that takes the pack film. The I call crack and peel film. He purchased it from Option 8, which, we, uh, which I discussed last podcast, mm -hmm. singing the praises of Option 8, who takes old Polaroid cameras and reconditions them. Cleans out the battery compartments and puts in a uh, takes out the old de defunct battery styles and makes it so you can use AA batteries. Mm -hmm. It's been a long time since I've used a Polaroid, but I generally get excited about the possibility of experimenting with this medium again after listening to your podcast and seeing the work posted on Flickr. The option eight person, Nathan, he was amazingly helpful. Thank you for talking about him on the podcast. Super positive. Is Jacinto Berrios. Jacinto Berrios. I am a mechanical engineer living in San Diego, California. I found your podcast while searching for film photography on iTunes and have been a listener since late last year. Thank you. You guys are like frozen Kodachrome. You cost F all in your serious quality. Laughed my ass off listening to that episode. This is from Philip Rouse. Where's Philip Rouse from? He's from Australia, Melbourne, Australia. G'day. You guys have the best magazine. It's called Ralph. Have you ever seen Ralph Magazine? Nope. Ralph Magazine is what's called a Laddie Magazine, and it's mm -hmm. got the most spectacular, beautiful photographs of bikini models really? and the goofiest humor. It's 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 for guys that are like 19, 20, and I'm certainly not that it's age. Like a Maxim type thing. A Maxim, but like on steroids, man. Yeah, you guys have the best. Ralph Magazine is the is the is the coolest thing. Cool. I love it. Bring in a copy next week. It's expensive. It's like 15 bucks at, at like. Ah. Randy Ott from Duncanville, Texas. I saw your post on the Flickr Kodachrome group, and you mentioned that you were giving away film. If you have any Kodachrome, I'd like a roll. After all these years, I'm 56, I never shot Kodachrome, and it looks like time is running out, which brings me to... I've been talking so intensively about Polaroid the last few months that I've completely neglected that the year is half over. That's right. And there's only six months left to get Kodachrome processed by the only processor in the world that will process Kodachrome. It's kind of crazy. K14. And that is Dwayne's. Clock is ticking. Six crazy. more months. 
K14. So, if anyone out there, I, I have a very limited supply of Kodachrome, or you can go on the eBay.com. The eBay. Yes. Uh, now is your now is the you know the the la, what do you call this the home stretch. The the the, the last inning. Do it. What if the eleventh hour? Do what it. If, what if Dwayne's photo gets so inundated with Kodachrome? Yeah, you know, this is still profitable, and they extended another year, and, and you're the reason because of it. Uh that'll be nice. That would be special. that would be very special. special thing. Very special. special. I mean, uh, outside of I mean, me, there's, there's a there's a finite number of roles available. There That's is. True. Yeah. If you go on eBay.com right now, you will be amazed at the number of roles. That's gonna go down. Do you know how many there? people like have just have this film in their freezer forever? No. no. Why? I don't know why, John. They own but fo- their father's own photo stores? And they, because it's con- it was considered a professional film, and I think pros bought it, and they just froze it. And when the digital age came, everybody just, forgot just about it. just didn't get rid of it, or they thought it, they thought it was worthless. Right now, there are at least 20 posts for Kodachrome film available on eBay.com, and it's not like just one roll. You'll mm. have a guy selling 10 rolls, 20 rolls, a brick of 50. Mm. Wow. So I'm curious to see if the price is going to go up or down. I think it will go down. I think it's going to go down. Because wh- what are you going to do with it? It's, it's well, useless. it's supply and demand. If if there's still an excessive amount left, the price is going to go down. It's going to be useless. The only thing you could do with it is to pr- uh, process it as black and white, which is ridiculous. Bill Apresino, you know Bill, aka William Hellfire. Yes. He, uh, my friend William, he goes to uh, garage sales on Saturday, and he very kindly texts me with pictures. Really? He texts me. He's like, I'm at a garage sale, found camera. Right, and he'll sh- send me a little text picture, and I'll I'll be I'll call him. I'll be, hey, what do you got? He's like, oh, I got like two cameras, a, a box of home movies, a box of slides. I'm like, how much? It's like five dollars for everything. Oh man! I'm like, great, pick it up. So he picked up a bunch of Kodak brownies. Uh, uh, I think it was a Kodak Jiffy 20 camera, a box of Super 8 uh, of regular eight millimeter home movies, and a box of Kodachrome slides. Hmm. It was basically a yard sale. With someone selling their entire life. life. Oh my gosh. Life and film and images. Life and film and images. It's all the same family. And one way I'm glad I have it because I will preserve it. But the other other way I feel is very depressed. Yeah. These are Kodachrome slides, Dwayne, from 1963. Mm-hmm. They are amazingly crisp and the color is shocking. 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 I have to show you sometime. I was in the Civil Air Patrol, which is an uh, auxiliary of the Air Force. I was a cadet in high school. Really? Yeah, and you, I wanted to learn how to fly. I wanted to go to the Air Force Academy at one point, and we would take airplane you flights. You look like you'd be in an officer and a gentleman. <laughs> well, Doesn't he? <laughs> anyway. Uh, 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 who's, the, who's the lead in that? Richard Gere. Gear. Richard Gere's sidekick. Oh, yeah. I, people used to tell me for years I looked just like that guy. What's that guy's David name, David Keith. David Keith. Oh, okay. I used Dwayne to looks like David Keith. I got that for like 10, 12 years. Anyway, I was uh, we we would we would take flights like almost over Manhattan back when it was you could do that more readily now. Right. And I have these aerial photos I took on Kodachrome 25 film uh, in my Kodak Instamatic camera out the window of like a Cessna airplane wow. of the Verrazano Narrows Bridge of the uh, of New York City right after they just finished the World Trade. So I gotta show them to you. I found Kodachrome them. 126. No, Kodachrome 126 mounted cardboard that, slides with the with 1973 on them. And yeah. that that gotta camera you showed me, the, your first camera. Yes. Wild. And they're still as vibrant as ever. Vibrant as ever. Gotta bring them in. So I have this family's. I have their memories. It's crazy. And it's kind of sad, you know, because it, you know, it's just 
Something Why do they give away their their, their members? I don't, you're like I don't a devil. It. You've extracted their soul. I think that no. I think that yes. maybe a relative was just doing a yard sale, and they, I think people just think, oh, these old slides. Who cares? Get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. Just like get. I mean, for five dollars. So I'm going to scan them, and I'm going to create a site in you know for that family. Oh, that's on so Flickr. Co- that's so cool. Yeah, it's just do you know awesome. anybody in that family? No. How do you know they're ever going to see it? The images are so cool, Dwayne. There's my sister's into this. There's a whole movement among people. They 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 find old photos and they kind of just create interest and in, like, who are these people? I was just going to say, I used to go down to the uh, the flea market. Where's that big flea market? English Town, English Town, New Jersey. Big flea market. I used to go down there, and there would be people that just have boxes of photos. That I always found myself drawn to, and I would always find these crazy photos, portraitures, or just shots that were taken off the cuff of people drinking or smoking or a shot in a bar or something that were just crazy images. I have a whole box of them at home. They're really fantastic images. They are. There's some crazy stuff in there. The thing was, this family, they're, uh, they were, I mean, some of these people old in the picture in 1964, people that are older, let's say if you're in your 60s or 70s right now, yeah. these people have no internet imprint. Yeah. That people that are older, it's a it's a whole new world. They don't exist on the web. Really like, I will not find any information about this family. It's a bit of a mystery. I have to I'd have to do I'd have to get on my you know uh, yellow pages white pages search to actually figure out what's going on with this family. This was in Ringwood, Ringwood, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh, interesting. Six months left, folks. Hurry. Send me an email uh, if you're interested. I might be able to squeeze you out a roll or two if I have any, if I have any left. Um, we're going to get to uh, the book of the month and another gallery in a second. This is from Matt Marash. He's in Finlay, Ohio. And he says, your podcast, you're definitely doing it right for the following reasons. Well, thank you, Matt. Thank you. And those are, your audio is balanced. You wouldn't, <laughs> be- you wouldn't believe some of the stuff that makes it onto iTunes. Yeah. That's kind of funny, isn't it? It's not funny. Well, when we play a, when we play a Pink Delicates cut, like something from Splatter Beach, it, it's actually in stereo. Right. Well, Mike is a film producer and he knows right. what he's doing regarding production and post production. Post production. Mm. Let's let's underscore the word post. See. And uh, you know that's what makes it sound good. One thing I will say about getting older, I'm a little depressed about getting older, but the one thing that's good is that you kind of wake up where you kind of just feel like, oh my God, I have so much experience. Mm-hmm. And you don't, I don't realize how much experience I actually have. Till you find a nice 17 year old girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just take it for granted that what I'm doing is professional and goes mm-hmm. out professionally. It's in stereo, right. the music at least. So when I get a letter like this, it's, I'm like, wow, well, you know what? You have value. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. You guys keep me informed, but don't drown me in tech news, sharpness comparisons, or other gear jaculation. Good. Some people want to hear it. Gear jaculation. Gear jaculation. <laughs> I found a whole hog. Well, listen. Our, our Fact, our podcast is not for everyone. It, there are some people, I'm sure, who, who can't get it. Yeah, they, they, they think can't get that over we, the hump. We probably don't take it too seriously enough for them. I'm really happy... Uh, that people listen, and anyone that listens, you're part of the, you're part of the, like, it's almost like a secret organization, as far as I'm concerned. Shh. You know, it's like, it's something special. Right. Because the people that listen get it. 
Oh, so you don't want me to talk about line per millimeter resolution anymore. Is that it? You sometimes get off track, but who cares? Constantly. John, didn't you have like a get-together with your uh, family? Yes, I did. From, yep. uh, from Iowa. From Iowa, yeah. Really? How did that go? Went great. Had catered barbecue. What's the cultural awesome. difference between the Iowa family and us Corn. New Jerseyans? Uh, they're a lot more political. Are they really? Stop Very it. into politics. Are you serious? Yep. Really? Like, I mean, like it's in conversation, they want to talk about they, politics? Yeah, it always pops up. Is that something that's indigenous to people in Iowa in general? Uh, well, my like... family, I don't know about the rest of the people out there, but, you know. Wow. Yeah, they're very into politics. You very said... aware of what's going on in the country. Well, Iowa caucuses. That's probably it's one. It's a big one, yep. It's one of the big ones. Yeah. yeah. You sometimes get off track, but who cares? In Jersey, people talk about like food. Hey. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, you're eating oh lunch. My God. You're eating lunch. You're like, hey, what are we eating for dinner? Oh my God. Everything in New Jersey about is about food. food. Who made this freaking potato salad? You hungry, T? You want to send the kid for Baja Fresh? The family. All my family about too. The food. Oh my God. It, it, it's just like, nonstop. Oh. This is tender. Oh. This is juicy. This is a brisket. I'm great. not kidding. Exactly. Great. Now, this is a brisket. Great spread. Yeah. Great, great spread. Did you try that shrimp? <laughs> Did you try that shrimp? <laughs> right? Am I kidding? It's not. It's so funny because it's true. Did you taste that cut of meat? Oh, it's to die for. Put an extra $20 in the wedding card. My this last, is a good spread. My oh. last girlfriend who was just... She's Italian. She's That's how my grandmother used to tell us how to, how, you know how much money you give at a wedding. You, when you go to the reception and you eat the food and you look at the place, Italian if, it's a, crap, American if culture, it's a crappy place, you don't Italian give so much. American culture gives cash at weddings, just yes. like in Goodfellas. Yeah. And if you go to the, to the wedding reception. You put it in the booster bag. Yeah, it's called a boost. If the place is like a palace... You may go into the men's room or ladies' room and actually put more and, in the envelope. And boost your card. If the reception is a piece of crap, they may go into the uh, men's room or ladies' room and actually take remove. money out. Yes. So That's how I was taught. <laughs> now, other cultures outside of Italian-Americans, maybe Jewish, I don't know, think that the idea of giving money at a wedding is crass, is out of control. What do you give then? Well, that's what I think. No, it is out of control. Well, you're talking about my Iowa family. They came out here from my my aunt came out here from my wedding. Yes, and people were throwing, you know, a couple of hunge in the envelope. Did you give you give like she at gave, least a hunge. She gave me like a little movie light, and she was embarrassed because she's like, "Oh my god, I forgot how you know ostentatious weddings are out here." You give at least a honey. I went out there. At least. They put the Honey. they put they put a they put an ad in the paper and they say hey you know Michelle and Jimmy are getting married come down to the to the Knights of Columbus bring a dish we'll supply the beer you know it's a it's a it's a communal thing not here man no not here it's exclusive you here rent the pentagious only two only two hundred people thirty <laughs> people a very small gathering only two hundred people pentagious is like the most gaudy yeah. Out of control. Disgusting. I mean, but people... Looks look, like... Uh, a million times. They pack it every weekend. Pack it. Every weekend for a huge sum of money. I starved many a su- Saturday and Sunday at Pantages. It it's looks... Some wedding yeah, halls... Because yeah. I used to shoot weddings. Yeah. Video. Yeah. You go... John, you know too. Mm-hmm. You go there. You sweat at a church shooting a rece- uh, shooting a, a ceremony. Right. You get to the reception. And some places take joy in, in starving. The help. Uh, the help. It's yeah. awful. Photographers and videographers. And band. Yeah. And if you're lucky, they maybe let you sit in the kitchen and eat like a, a wing. If you're, lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky. No, that's why you have to go to the, re- the uh, what do you call it, the reception. 
and eat like a freaking pig. I'm there, sorry. There are some listeners who shoot uh, weddings. And I would like to know, folks out there, because John and I haven't shot a wedding probably since the early 90s. I don't 90s. think I could ever do it again. Is it, is it the same? Are, are so you starved? Tough. My last, this is a true story. My last, the last wedding I ever shot as a videographer. Yes. I was sitting outside, you know, taking a break. And a guy walked up to me and he looked at me and he said, is it really that bad? <laughs> really? I must have looked so depressed. So horrible. And I just looked at him. I'm like, my God, is it that apparent that I'm so miserable? Wow. Yeah. He's like, shouldn't be doing this if that's the way you feel. And that was the last wedding I shot. Wow. Photographed the wedding once and the bride sister punched me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do? They were, uh, John losing his. They were, I don't, again, I don't, I don't. <laughs> They were uh, the bride and her sister were very. Uh, you made John's uh, seltzer go up his nose. They were almost, they right. were morbidly obese, and I didn't know. That oh I was, do- I was doing it for a studio, and they like they were like they didn't quite tell me. And I got to the house, and I was trying to sit them in a very small apartment or house, and I couldn't even fit them on anything. They were so enormous. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm toughing it through. I'm toughing it through, and then I made some comment about. You know, wish I had a wide angle lens. Yeah, something. No, no, I'm not the blame, but like I think I want to. I want to. I said, can I just please position you this way? I, I know what I'm doing. And the, the girl says to me, "You don't ever talk to my sister like that." And she freaking slugs me. Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. Unbelievable. Slugs me. I packed up my gear. <laughs> I left. But the, the, because this, I've, I've, I've been abused. But slugging has nothing to do with. Obesity, the sluggingness, had nothing. Well, my position, my my insistence on positioning them a certain way had to do with the fact that they were so big. They're so freaking big. They were so huge. Oh. I mean, I couldn't just say stand there. I had to like go out of my way to find places where they'd fit. But some people are big. Mike, I'm not talking like overweight. I mean, they were enormous. The guy <laughs> who just said to me, Dwayne, you're shooting a wedding. These girls are enormous. <laughs> You're gonna have a challenge doing it, right? So you, what you happened? You can't sit him in normal little chairs. You can't sit him on yeah, a little. Yeah, on a little yeah. What happened? Did they get the get the negatives? It was. Uh, I eventually gave him to the studio because I had to keep my word. Again, I don't mean to condescend against people that are overweight, but it, it was like that was it was it was. There's no reason to punch you in the face. No. <laughs> because I because I was insistent on positioning them a certain way to make them look better. You know, it was like oh, I was well. trying to do. Anyway, that was it. I got That's funny. Guys. Hey, here's uh, you guys are gonna like. This. I got another good story, but hey, th- hey, Matt, thanks for the letter. You know, you know about us getting off topic. Uh. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Hey, there is so much lighting information on the internet for digital photography, but I'm I find very little on film. So many approaches today require much tweaking and champing <laughs> with flash units, which obviously would not be applicable for a film shooter. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you have some wonderful shots using Kodachrome and off-camera lighting on Aaron Russ. Did you achieve this with gelled hot lights? You know what I did uh, on this email? Chimping was highlighted. I was able to click it. Mm-hmm. And that's where I learned what chimping ah, was. See. Um, well, uh, I'm going to talk uh, just, a few, just a minute about uh, my approach to lighting, and then I'll toss it to Dwayne, and of course, John, you can chime in as well. Okay. Uh, the Aaron Russ shot, her outside on the uh, uh, mausoleum vault. It's like a grave. I had a off-camera flash, and I had an assistant on the other side with a reflector card. Mm-hmm. And it was sunset. So there's still a lot of natural light, and but the flash was brighter than natural light. So that kind of what gave it that quality. And um, I have a large uh, sort of handheld... I'm doing it. Actually, I'm actually <laughs> pantomiming it right now. 
As far as I could reach to the left, I held that flash over to the side. Uh, inside shooting Aaron Ross, I use hot lights. Mm-hmm. Thousand watt. I'm probably pumping about direct. No, I bounce it off bounce. cards. Right. I I bounce all the hot lights, and they are hot. I use one two K. Uh, and another two, one, two, two K. three, a lot, lot of juice. A lot of juice. I'm using a lot of juice, and I'm bouncing. I use uh, gels sometimes to fill in the background, and I usually shoot tungsten film. So I, I use uh, mm-hmm. hot lights just bounced <clears throat> indoors. My opinion on that is my uh, I'm someone who's done a lot of studio photography for like 20 years, so I, I'd like to think that I know lighting pretty well. My pet peeve is when I see books in the photo store, lighting for digital photography, like for some reason, mm-hmm. a digital camera needs a different approach to lighting than does a film camera. Oh, absolutely. Camera. It's same. It's exactly the same. The exactly. only thing, only thing that's different is that the, the latitude, meaning the contrast capability of a digital sensor might be different right. than film. Mm-hmm. You know, that's meaning, I mean, meaning that film maybe has a latitude of five or six stops. Maybe right. maybe a digital sensor has four or five, meaning you're going to have to fill shadows a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But whether you're using flash or whether you're using hot lights, it's completely irrelevant. Your approach to uh, you know using it might be different, but the look that you get is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, my friend Jim Jankwitz lent me his Canon. It's a Canon Sure Shop, but it's one of the fancier models. So I didn't know anything about it. I don't know. I don't know anything about digital photography. I, I set it up. It's a Canon, so a lot of the settings were very similar to my uh, T90. The dials are the same. So I set it to manual. I went in. I changed the ISO to 100. I was shooting film ISO 100. I did a side by side comparison. Correct. Outside of a few minor details of mm-hmm. some, you know, um, hot spots. Exact. So you could easily. You're absolutely right. It's, it, there's no difference. I mean, if you're taking a light and you're bouncing it from an umbrella and it looked good on a film camera, why wouldn't it look mm-hmm. good with a digital camera and vice versa? Right. If you're using a softbox, if you're using a snoot, if you're using hard light, right. soft light, bounce light, reflector, gels, why would it look good on one thing and not another? Right. Diffusion is essential digital so, photography. So would you say a digital photographer can easily just pick up any book? On photography. Any book. Any book. Because the settings in the digital camera are exactly uh-huh. the same. Unless, of course, you have everything set to auto. Auto. <laughs> Which is insane. Uh-huh. It's insane. Insane. Le- auto. Light quality is light same. quality. Light color temperature is light color temperature, irrespective of, uh, of course, you have different you know, color balance and, and uh-huh. white balance settings on a digital camera. But other than that, I mean, it's the same. Same thing. Pick up a book. Pick up a book. Any book. Pick a book. Any book. Speaking of books. Book of the month. Book of the month. It's time for Dwayne's book of the month. Another photographer who recently passed away is Jim Marshall. Yes. Jim Marshall was a rock and roll photographer. We talked about him. Was it the last podcast? Uh, Yes. We recently talked about Jim Marshall that he passed. It was earlier this month. Yes. He did a book with uh, photographer Timothy White called Match Prince. And you really? got to see this book, yeah. It's sort of like Timothy White took a picture of a celebrity with a certain look to it, a certain technique, and then they found a picture that Jim took that had the same similar technique, the same okay. similar look. In some cases, it was the same person, young and old. And they put, no them, side, they put them side by side in this book. It's this called was Ma- unintentional. Yeah, this is like these guys knew each other for maybe 20 years or so, and this is later in life. They said, oh, man, my, my picture of uh, Sly and the Family Stone looks just like your picture of R. Kelly or something like that. He goes, okay. you know what? I have an old picture of uh, Ray Charles. I have a new picture of Ray Charles. And they put them together, and wow. it's, it, it's mind-blowing. Cool. It's called Match Prince. Really? And it's uh, 
Timothy White and and uh, you know Jim Marshall. Jim Marshall, and um, you got to check it out. Is it still in print? Oh, it just it just was released like a month ago. Oh, wow. I saw it in um, Barnes and Noble. Is it text heavy or is it uh, picture heavy? Picture heavy. Very text light. It's a big heavy book though, I bet. No, it's actually um, it's actually moderate in size. It's hardcover. Really? But pictures Hendrix, Sly and the Family Stone, Ray Charles. Great mm. pictures of the Stones. Mm. Great cool. pictures, old and young pictures. Keith Richards, Ugh. amazing man. That's amazing. That guy. Um, if I could, if I could live any life, I think I'd live his. And the great thing is they include <laughs> little stories about like what it was like to work with this. This person was easy to get along with. This person was a nightmare. That's great. Right. I, I love that stuff. Yeah. Can't get enough of dish. it. Dish. Give me the dish. A little bit of dish. Give me the G. That's what you the know. Italians say. And, and of, course Mar- juicy. of course, Jim Marshall. Of course, Jim Marshall knows what the old days were like when Access was like, "Hey, come on yeah. in." Yeah, it's I, like just let me finish this line of coke. Do you think it's different now, Dwayne? Oh, sure. In the nineteen yeah. uh, nineteen uh, early nineteen eighties, oh. I lived in New York City, and I used to go to the Bottom Line, yeah. which is a club. Right. I used to bring in a camera because I used to just want to shoot musicians for the fun of it. And I, and I could sit in the front row with a camera and a flash all Nobody night. Nobody would care. Nobody would care. Now. It's who are you? What agency are you with? Did you call their publicist? What are you using these yeah. for? Do you have the releases? Yeah. It's a lot more complicated. Yeah. Remember the Wilco show we went to? There was a big announcement. Uh, John and I went to see Wilco in Montclair, New Jersey, and previously John and I went to see the band Yes, and I had an Olympus stylus, uh, point and shoot, thirty-five millimeter camera in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I brought it into the Yes show, and I walked around because my seat was too mm-hmm. small for my body, and. Uh, <laughs> And I walked around. I went down a level or two. I I, I got in real fairly close, yeah. and I snapped some pictures on uh, Fuji sixteen hundred ASA film. And they came out quite well. I was I'm going wait. And so the year half six months later, we go to Wilco, and I'm mm-hmm. stoked because I just got into Wilco. I'm like, well, I'm gonna bring my Olympus Stylus Epic, you know, or my Olympic Stylus eighty. It has a little zoom lens, so it's in my pocket. We get there, and immediately they're like, ah, you know, like. They don't even know I have a camera, and they're already waving people down like, no cameras, yep. no cameras. They're walking up and down the line saying, no camera, no video, no cell phone cameras, no nothing. Like, they'll, they'll stop the show. They will. I, now, in this d- digital age, I don't get it. Because when I went to see Yes, I thought, well, you know, it's the digital age at now, and no one cares anymore if you snap a picture. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised. Maybe it was the bottom line, because yeah. Madison Square Garden, uh, they would never let you come in. What other show? That, I remember it was 78. It was the Newport Jazz Festival, Walmart Skating Rink in Central Park. Chuck Mangione was, was doing a show, and he was really, really hot. Had a couple big hits. And I remember just walking up to the front of the crowd, really? right up to the stage, and going, I mean, I'm as close to Chuck Mangione as, like, practically you. I went, hey, Chuck! He had his flugelhorn. He looks at me and he's waving. I'm clicking pictures of Chuck Mangione. Do you have these pictures? Yeah, I never. I, I have so many photos I don't do anything with, but they're they're amazing. They're amazing. I mean, I was like, you know, no one cared. No one did anything. Hmm. I'm gonna work with Dwayne on, on nudging him to get unearth some of these. Yeah. I can see it now. Gonna Chuck to... Mangione by Dwayne Polk. You. Gonna have to go through the uh, Dwayne Polk. He's waving. Archives. At me. He's like this. Is me. He has, like, he's, has his flugelhorn in his hand. He's waving. Sure he me. wasn't going. I'm gonna kill you. No. He, he, <laughs> he's a Stop taking that picture. I don't know what he is. Uh, Spanish maybe. Chuck Mangione? No, he's Italian. Italian. John. John. Yes. John recently mm. joined Flickr, Dwayne. I'm oh, f- I got to join Flickr. I'm, I'm a Flickr. I'm a photographer and don't belong to Flickr. Well, yeah, I can believe that. Unconscionable. Yeah, I think I think it's a site that I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to say it's a site for amateurs. Is it? I don't know. I mean, I know some people that are pros that are on there. Yeah. And I some think, people that are professional. I, I think it runs the spectrum. Yeah, yeah I think you're I think right. It does, yeah. I think you're right. Because uh, there are sites for musicians that are just totally sites for hacks. I said, <laughs> I said to John, 
why don't you go to our Flickr, Flickr. our film photography podcast. How, how do we say Flickr in New Jersey? We say Flickr. 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 Go to Flickr. Yeah, go to Flickr. 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 And I say go to the film photography podcast group and go in the pool where our listeners post their pictures and pick your favorites because I'm always picking my favorites. And uh, John did. He joined and he yes. started a gallery. What is your gallery called? It's called Faves. It says June 2010 because that's when I picked them out. But now uh, this it, is July. And how, to, how does someone get to your site? Uh, my my I guess my screen name is that what it is? Yes. It's, is John Eyes the World? Eyes E Y E S. John Eyes the World, E-Y-E-S. and you just go to galleries, and you go to the only gallery that's there. Faves. June 2010. You can consult the show notes. Show notes. <laughs> Hi. Show notes. Sammy Davis Jr. was an amazing photographer. Here's mm-hmm. another book called it's it's Sammy Davis Jr. published a book of his images. He did? Yes. I I think it's called Pictures by of, Sammy. Of, of his images. Yes, he was a photographer. He carried around a Rolleiflex twin lens reflex camera wherever he went. And he took pictures. He took glamour photos of Marilyn Monroe that you're are quite good. You're kidding. You're kidding. Very, very good. I did not know this. Sammy Davis Jr. had a taste for the ladies. A lot of people didn't know that. Yeah. Whoa. And he would like he would go on tour and go, by the way, I've got some lights and some lights. He, he was that kind of dude, I heard. And he wow. he was actually skilled. He knew lighting. He knew meters. Hmm. So he, he, is, he actually only had one roving eye. He <laughs> had a roving eye. This is the posthumous book. Did you know that uh, Sammy Davis Jr.? Sung and had a big hit with Anthony Newley's The Candyman. Oh, of course. Oh, of course. It was his biggest hit ever. Who yeah. can make a sunrise? It was written for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Right. But didn't but do can you was it, is it converted there? to a Jew? Anthony Newley. Oh, Sammy Davis Jr. is converted to Judaism. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Yes. Okay. And he he wrote a bit in that book. Okay. About he met with a uh, a studio head, and the studio head said. We got a new project for you, Sammy. Come on down. He goes, I can't. It's Yom Kippur. And he said, you're kidding me. And he goes, no, no, no. He goes, you're kidding. It's, it's Yom Kippur. And he goes, as if I don't, this, he said, the studio had some, said something like, if I don't have a tough enough time in the 70s trying to do pictures with colored people, now I got to deal with colored people that are Jews. That, that, that's, that's what he said. It's in the book? Um, it's in the book, yeah. Isn't that hysterically funny? Sammy. And he said, no, no, I'm devout. To his credit. Sammy Davis Jr. said, I would rather like jeopardize losing a job than not wow. be devout. Right. So I have a lot of respect for Sammy Davis Jr. And he's an awesome photographer. Awesome yep. photographer, awesome oh, singer, yeah. awesome showman. Oh, yeah, man. Anthony Newley. Yeah. Love him. He, he uh, was uh, one of Bowie's inspirations, wasn't he? For the early Bowie. Early Bowie. Where his voice really is like... Yes. No, before then. The early 67 Bowie. Grave Keeper, whatever it is. Mr. Please, Grave Mr. Digger. Grave Digger, <laughs> Laughing Gnome. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, those, are, crazy. those are the insane That's songs. the Bowie I like. Uh, really? The pop. I, I didn't know the old one. Bowie, amazing, amazing artist. Diamond Dogs era Bowie. Bowie produced the Scott Walker documentary. His bloated, belching figure stops. He may crash through the ceiling soon. Did he really? Have you seen the Scott Walker Yes, I did. He's in it. He's in it. Yeah, Bowie's in it. Yeah, it's good. So John joined Flickr. Good for you. So anyways. So anyway, to get John of the group. I went to to college with John, by the way. John was always the artist of the group. I didn't know you when you were seven. No. When I pulled all of our 8mm films, somehow all college films 
I guess I'm like the historian. You're the keeper. I'm a keeper. I don't know how this happened, but I have your Super 8 student mm-hmm. films, Jeffrey Farrow's Super 8 uh, uh, student films, my Super and, 8, and, uh, Tim O'Raw. Tim O'Raw's, yeah. And uh, John out of the group, you know, I, I recently saw them all. Oh, boy. And it, putting them in perspective, it's like... John was the artist of the group. I was trying to be Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Said, John was the artist said of the group. I was Stanley Kowalski. <laughs> So you're still the artist. Look at your Flickr name. Yeah, John Eyes the World. John Eyes the World, and you have a gallery in there. Yes. And let's uh, let's see it. All right. Uh, the first shot I have is uh, called Shot Tower. I love this. It's picture. a low-angle shot of a tower inside some kind of structure. This is a study in that? positive and negative space, mm-hmm. rule of thirds, and just design. Yeah. Whose is it? It's, it's uh, by PBR Photo. Nicely done. And just wonderful composition, I say. Uh, and I said excellent black and white photo, but the angle I'm looking at it through my monitor now, I can see a red tinge. I oh. guess the red brick. Oh. The color of the red brick. So it, it, I guess it's a uh, color photo. With a lot of monochrome. With a lot of contrast. Highly contrasted. So in other words, the... the, the and very the, desaturated. The image being shot doesn't have much color. No. 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 Very nice. An awesome shot. The next shot I have, for some reason, this just caught my eye because it really reminds me of, um, I don't know if anybody's ever seen the Marx Brothers movie, The Coconuts, which was shot, I think, in the late 30s or early 30s. I should have put a mirror over there. Why is that? Oh, so, so to look at this stuff? Yeah. Um, but it was a, a lot of oh. the black and white photography back then was a little overexposed, a little hazy, a yeah. little dreamy. Was it really? In the 30s? Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, especially in the, in this movie, and the sound is horrible. It's just all you hear is barely hear people talking. So technology was in its infancy then, and this really reminds me of that. And the strange thing is that later on in the pool, I saw this photo in color, and it just did not grab me as much as the uh, this shot in black and white. Hmm. And it's by Carpe Diem. See the day. Yes, oh, we know we know that from the movie. It's the, the only reason anybody knows it. It's the dead poets. Dead poets. Dead poets, right. Okay, the next photo I have is by a guy called Shakmati. And I chose two of his photos. Now, he went roving around. I guess this is India. I, I'm sorry I didn't post a lot of the information here. <clears throat> but you can click on his link and see all the photos he had. And he tells a story how this guy was just kind of sitting in the shadows. And he was hoping the guy would lean out into the light. And these are all off-the-cuff portraitures that this this gentleman had shot uh, while on his journeys. And he just leaned into the light. For some reason, it struck me. I do like the way the background... Dwayne doesn't like the background. I don't... I, don't, I didn't like it. I just think it's distracting because... It is it's, distracting. It's, it's too much of a bright smudge. I don't know what that, that big white bright but smudge I kinda is. But I kind of like it for that reason because it's kind of smudge. I don't know if that was done in post or if that's just the way it looks in the photo. But his face is very sharp and clear. And I love the sweet look on this man's face. He likes it. It just captured a very nice moment of this man uh, in time. And I, I, I like that. I, I love moments. I mean, well, <laughs> it's just, it's not, I love photography. I love, I love photography. I love film photography. I mean, <laughs> like a moment in time. Yeah, it's just a, really, it's just, yep. you know, a moment captured. Yep. There are many times when I've snapped that camera, shoot my 35 millimeter camera, knowing that I either got it or that I missed it. When you see that moment through your lens and you're like, oh. <gasps> And you got to get it with your finger, and when you see it on the film like that, it's yeah. it's an amazing feeling. Amazing. And I think that's one of those moments there. 
uh, that he happened to capture. So nice, nice photo. And who took it? Shaq Mahdi. Uh, the next one is Casino Escalator by PBR Photo. Well, that's what that is. Again. Yeah. I didn't know what that was. I can click on it. And let me see. Can I click on this? Oh, yes. Let me see. I go back. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's beautiful. Uh, it was shot on a... Bron- what is that? Bronica? S2A Nikkor 75mm using expired 2006 Velvia 100. So, I mean, it's kind of a weird image. It kind of looks like something out of, uh, you know, 1969... Uh, Visions of the future. Yeah, it looks Absolutely. like a, a deck of a spacecraft. Or exactly, something. Yeah. like something out of 2001: A Space Odyssey. It's a great composition, and it's an eerie image, if you ask me. And that's probably not what it looks like in reality, but through the uh, eyes of this this man's lens, it's a great photo. Uh, the next one is by Greg Zauswas. I don't know what this is. It's like it's it's a low angle shot of steps in the woods of some kind of uh, I don't know what would you call that arbor. What do you call that? That's um. Some kind of foliage, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's it, it's again, it's a black and white image. They're great. I was always taught that a great black and white image image has nice areas of white, pure white, and nice areas of pure black, which this photograph has. But there's light that's kind of leading to this, I don't know, urn or bird feeder or something in there, and it, it just reminded me something out of uh, Hearts of Darkness, like Colonel Kurtz. From Apocalypse Now, you know, that weird temple he lived in? Yes. So this kind of looks like that. I, I agree black and white should have pure black. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, do you agree, Dwayne? I've seen some photographs that, that didn't have that, but I think if you want to get the maximum impact mm-hmm. and there's an area of pure black, yeah, it, it's, it makes it more, uh, it's more tonally strong, right? Well, it helps direct your eye. Yep. You know? So great shot, Greg. The next one is called Catching the Light by Analogital. And, I don't know, this image looks like something Bresson may have done. Yeah, really. It has that, like, uh... Uh, there's a woman kind of walking against the grain of, of things that seem to be had. The bicycles are facing one way. She's walking the other way. She's walking into a pool of light. And there's an old building that maybe this woman saw when she was a little girl. But now it's filled with images of sex and, uh, you know, modernism. You see a story in it. Yeah, there's definitely a story in that's it. That's what makes it a great photo. You, you don't know really what's going on, and you're just, you're just speculating, but that's what makes it interesting. But, but you know what? If nobody else sees that, that's fine. Right. And whatever somebody else sees, if I don't see that, that's fine too, and that's even better. Yep. If different people can see different things in different photographs, that's I, what makes I would a agree. great photo. Yes. But this, I could look at this photo for a very long time and just keep coming back to it. Great shot. The next one is uh, a Holgeroid. A Holgeroid? It is a Holga with a Polaroid back. No. Yes. Using Polaroid 669 pack film or Fuji FP100. It's by Garrett Rafals, Photo Stream. What do you like about it, John? I like the colors. I like the weird uh, framing of it. I like the black here. I like that it looks unfinished and damaged. And that there's a strong focus on the, uh, the bottom branch where the leaf is branch uh i just like i you know what i just like it i look at it i see spots over here in the black you know it's imperfect i think you but like it evokes something this. in me okay i think you would thoroughly enjoy that type of polaroid photography because the mm-hmm. fuji film is very uh, saturated mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. has almost a throwback kind of look to it it's it's saturated and muted at yes, the same time exactly it's a very odd stock i think you'd love it 
it evokes something in me when I look at it. It makes me feel nice and warm. Yes. It just makes me it makes me think back to a place like a spring in my early development. When I see photos like my you know, when spring came and it was Easter and it was communions or something, my parents used to put us all up against right. the blooming uh, flowers and stuff. And it kind of reminds me of that. But I think, again, that's what's great about photos and photography because it's so subjective. All right. The next photo is by Shaq Mahdi again on his travels. And again, um, just a look on the man's face. There's a story that goes behind this photo. It says, I met this man in an alleyway in Varanasi. Varanasi? He gave me a blessing and allowed me to take a few pictures. And you can see just the, the honesty on this man's face. And he has great hair. Really? Really great hair. Look at the beard yeah. and the hair. He's just, he looks like some kind of priest uh, priest or something like that. But Shakamati's got a lot of great portraits. This guy takes portraits, like off-the-cuff portraits. Right. And these are a couple of the ones that I saw that he posted that were good. But if you look at his photo stream, you'll see a lot more Do you, do you, do you see yourself photos. getting more involved with Flickr, like uh, making an inquiry? Like, for example, that photographer, maybe he... Shoots people like on the street. Goes yeah, on the street and says, does. "May I take your portrait?" I that takes, yeah, take a little uh, to do I, I've that. I've been scared. Like I've well, seen people never that do have that. great faces. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "May I take your portrait?" I haven't gotten over that hump to to mm-hmm. be bold enough to say, "May I take your portrait?" What's it gonna hurt? Yeah, what what will it hurt, John? Because it's a moment in time. You're there, and, and it's just like, "Oh, some guy took my picture today. What are we having for dinner?" It's forgotten. <laughs> it's the moment that's intense, but I like. Doing it with Polaroid, I went to the uh, Tony's Touch of Italy, which is a, a kind of a <laughs> touch of Italy. Tony's Italy? Touch of Italy is in Tony's Pompton. Touch of Italy. <laughs> Tony's Touch of Italy. That's in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey. And I have my... You say Pompton Lakes. <laughs> it's Pompton. It's right Lakes. out. Of, I have my own table there. It's right out of Goodfellas. Really. Uh, most of the, it's it, they serve uh, uh, Italian and Mexican food, and the staff, the cooks, are mostly Mexican. I had my Polaroid, and the two of the Mexican chefs are very friendly. And many times they've like sent special stuff over to our table. Nice. So I brought my Polaroid in, took a picture, and I gave it to them. And I think that I think there are a lot of moments in time mm-hmm. at, where if you ask someone to take their picture, that you can give something to them, especially mm-hmm. if it's Polaroid. So not only can you you know take one for yourself, but take one for them as well. Right. As you said uh, uh, last podcast, people, Dwayne, people. Love prints. Mm-hmm. People want to hold a print. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, they do. It's it's somewhat lost now in the digital age. Yeah, I think it totally is. I mean, how many? Maybe they are. Any of your relatives that shoot? Do they take their their little uh, memory cards? Do they mm-hmm. go to Walmart to get prints made? Sure. They do. Sure. My sister does. No, she does it online. She does it online. She's the only like avid. She and I are the only people that really take enough photos to to actually go out and get prints and, and stuff. Then, but the thing with Polaroid is that. The print was produced seconds after it was taken. Mm-hmm. Well, it's magical, yeah. And there's something that's magical about it, and there's something to do with that that short lag of time. There's an immediacy to it that I think is special to people. Begin to use a Polaroid land camera, and a crowd gathers. Could the digital age ever produce something as magical? Well, I don't you think, Dwayne, there's going to be a time when the, just a digital print comes out like immediately that is not chemical-based, that is more... Uh, well, it has to have some sort of chemistry involved because you're impregnating a, a piece of paper with dyes or it's dye sublimation or something. But, but maybe if they could ever – yeah, I mean there has to be some way they can do it. Yeah, I, I think you know people still want to hold – Want to touch it. An image. 
which you know. Yeah, but I think we're a dying breed. Does your sister bring maybe? Does your sister bring the uh, pictures over? Yeah. I think what's going to happen, don't you think? She Dwayne, emails them to people me. are going to have like Kindle kind of things they have with them, like a notebook. Yeah, the iPad. I mean, the iPad's here already. People have all their pictures. They go over their relatives. Uh, I have all my photos on my iPod already. My dad's like, you never show me pictures of your kids. I'm like, here they are. When I develop film, I get them developed right to right. a CD. And they right. go right into my computer. Hmm. Great. So, so Next. Much, so much work. It is. Well, the digital workflow. Everything, just like the, people think, you know, the whole selling point for digital photography was yes. that it was easier than It's not film. easier. It's not easier. Yeah. It's, about, it's about 10 times more friggin' time consuming. You got to take a picture. Then you got to put it in your computer. Then you got to mess it. with it. Then you got to find, find it. Then you got to organize it. File formats. Then you got so to transfer it to a USB port or a USB flash right. or a jump drive. Then you got to bring it to CVS and you got to plug it in the machine. Well, you could just do it online, but I, you know, it could. But a lot of I, people I still don't. think bringing your roll of film, getting your prints back, yeah. is, is just it's magical. Yeah, it's magical. It's, fun. it's like getting something in the mail. Exactly. Like when you order on the internet and Absolutely. you see the box there when you come home, you're like, Ooh. I was in the, <laughs> exactly. the Delaware Water Gap with a four by five view camera doing some black and white things, and you could see that you know I would take a, sh- a shot, pull out the film holder, turn it around, and do another shot, and I did two exposures. And this woman with a digital camera once said to me, "Well, I was here and I took 150 pictures in the past half hour," and I said to her, "Oh yeah." What are you going to do with them all? Yeah. I said, you know what? She actually said that to you? I said, I don't want to take a lot of pictures. I don't want to because what am I going to do with them all? She actually said that to you. Yeah, well, like like her attitude was that volume is better. She could see that I was taking only a couple of exposures and that for some reason her way of doing hundreds of exposures made her way better. And my response was basically, well, then what are you going to do with them all? Yeah. You know, I don't I don't want to take 150 photos in an hour. I don't want to. I want to come away from a trip or an afternoon with two or three great shots that maybe or maybe not I'm going to enlarge. See, that's the thing. It makes you be selective. The yeah. digital age is you, you, you vomit. Almost. There's just it's too, too many much, angles. Too much. There's nothing that's special or selective. It's like also like home movies, trans, transition from home movies to video. People would just let their camera run because there's a mm. two-hour tape in there. Yeah, it's like, oh, and nonsense. The camera would be down on the ground. People would be recording the ground. It's nonsense. And it made, then you got to sit through two hours it of It ruined home, uh, home movies as far as I'm concerned because there's no editing involved. People no. would watch. I mean. That's why watching 8mm films was great special. because it would jerk back and forth from image to image. And, the style was yeah. special. You're like, wait a minute. Now, oh, this is Christmas now. Special. Oh, this is Joey's first birthday? No, who is that? Next photo. Okay. <laughs> but we digress. Uh, again, this is just... Uh, I, I chose photos that have more of an emotional bend to them. Um, and I really love this photo because oh, just, just the way her legs are and her it. hands are on her legs and the color of the, the, the ore, the iron ore in the in the stream. Who's the artist? Uh, Anton Andres. Nice. Uh, just it's, great. It's wonderful. Great and sexy. Not as sexy as the one that you chose. With it's the innocent woman. sexy. Yes, it's just just a great shot. Really it's evokes something. It's a sexy something. picture, but not sexual. It really reminds me back to when I was just exploring sexually, and I would have an encounter. Well, like and, like and when you were a teenager. Lead up to just something that seems so innocent, but could be so sexy. You know, before you really were, you know. You don't have any other information about how that image was made? Hold on. All you got to do is is click on the photo, and it says, My lady's feet in some cold water stream. Lomo X Pro slide film, not cross-processed. Nikon nice. FE at uh, F1.8. 
lady. And again, the next photo oh, is just more evocative than like a great composition or something. It reminds me of just the 60s and 70s. Rafting. Yeah, rafting. I mean, it's it's a very highly contrasty photo. But the splashes of yellow and blue in there kind of make it special. All the people are kind of dark and alien looking because uh, they're not focused. Whose picture is it? It's by Precious Roy. Oh, Precious Roy. Fish Creek Put-In, it's called. And uh, let me see, what was that shot on? Yeah, it doesn't say. It's 35mm film, Canon FT. Canon FT. Overexposed. No. Very nice. Uh, the next one is really cool, dreamy photo by MGH Zeno called Buffalo Hedges. Uh, again, there's no it's information really nice. here. It's a black and white image. Uh, it's kind of vignetted at the, uh, in the corners. And it really just, again, it evokes, you know, like early 1800s, mm-hmm. like early photography <clears throat> type of feeling. And it's a nice composition, and it's weird that people would shape hedges into buffaloes. Next one is by Analog Analogital again. Analogical. Analogical. Very good. And uh, there's a bunch of photos that he posted in the series. There's a great one with a bumblebee on it that I didn't choose that one. But I like this one because there's a lot of soft-focused and very um, small-focused plane. This one has little pink roses in this or flowers in this bed of red flowers. Nice focus, just pleasing to the eye. Nice to right. work, nice flow to it from the focus in the bottom all the way up to the soft focus in the back that I like. And the last one is by uh, Liam 101. It looks like some kind of encounter at a sushi bar. <laughs> it's shot with a Nikon F100 at uh, 50 millimeter with old fridged Provia 100F. It's an encounter at a sushi bar. Yeah, it's, it looks like someone's getting change. Yep. But again, you know, the focus is soft all the way up until the, the you know, the focus of the shot, which is the transaction of money over the sushi bar. But I like the, the, the lighting. Uh, just a nice photo. It grabbed me. So those are my picks. Thank you, John. For this month. Thank you, John. Thank you, Mike. So what else we got? Holy crap. That's it. <laughs> Oh my god time really really flies here on the film photography podcast in this episode uh there's still time to win the uh polaroid one step close-up camera the camera comes loaded with a roll of uh roll the camera comes loaded with uh impossible px 600 film we only shot three exposures uh here as a test it's five left it's five uh there's only eight in there yeah it's shot three five left <laughs> five Five left, uh, and um, we will be uh, drawing the winner of that on July 15th, 2010. I want to thank, really thank everyone for listening. We're off to a famous New Jersey diner, Max, here in Butler, New Jersey. Thanks 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 to uh, Dan Domi. We've had a lot of fun. Really a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And, And please keep your posts coming on Flickr. They're yeah, amazing. yeah. Keep Those pos- photos are amazing. I truly enjoy looking We're at gonna them. We're going to try. If, if this works, I think it will. I think folks will like it. We'll post more images. Uh, we'll put more galleries together. Mm-hmm. And maybe encourage Dwayne to join Flickr so he can put a gallery together. Yeah, come uh, on. Okay. <laughs> yes. So it being July 1st, summer, we're going to go out with a uh, summer-esque uh, splatter beach song from Pink Delicates. Everybody had an ocean.